Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campion Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around to talk about movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, and Batman official reviews are now coming out, and they look every bit as good as we hope. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But joining me here today on this adventure, sitting right over here, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today, sir? John, I'm shaking like a leaf. I'm so excited. I don't know what to say. <laughs> that embargo dropped at 9 a.m., and I'm just like all at Twitter. Meaning I've been on Twitter reading all the responses. Sitting next to him, he's going to be joining you guys in the live chat today, hanging out with you guys. He's the one and the only, Mr. Ray Ora. Ray, how you doing? Happy, happy Monday. I thought you were going to say something about Batman Day. Oh, no, I don't care about Batman. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. That's going to be Ray's nap him, time. It's Chris Carr. Chris, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? It's how was good. your birthday weekend? My birthday weekend was great, thank you. We oh, took good. off down to San Diego. Had a great time there. A bunch of viewers from the show spotted us in the streets and would stop and say hi and say happy birthday. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. And I hope that you guys had a great weekend as well. Here's how today's show is going to go, folks. We break it up into two parts. In the first half of the show, we take some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we spend time taking your live comments and questions. If you've got a live comment or question you'd like to have us read on the show, simply go into the YouTube chat there and send in a super chat. And only if you're watching live, obviously. If you're watching this show any of the other 22 hours during the day and you want to get a question read by Rob or I, we do a show three times a week called Mailbag. We got one coming today, as a matter of fact. So if you guys want to send in a question for that, for us to address there, simply go down into the description of this video. You'll see a tip link. Click on that there or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting that comment or question read on Mailbag if we deem it appropriate for our show, of course. And of course, you'll be supporting our channel at the same time and all of us involved with The John Campion Show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. All right, guys. Got a bunch of stuff to talk about here today, so let's get things kicked off with this. You know, last week we talked about the fact that Jude Law put out a video saying, hey, on the 24th, we've got a new, you know, Secrets of Dumbledore trailer coming for Fantastic Beast 3, and the trailer just very quietly just didn't show up. And without reason or explanation, they just put out a tweet saying the trailer's been delayed. And we speculated it's about they wanted to play closer with the Batman. Are they moving the date of the movie, which we didn't think they were going to do. But there were some other explanations. Well, today on Batman Eve. Yes, I'm officially dubbing today Batman Eve because the uh, big fan screening across the country happens tomorrow. But today on Batman Eve, a brand new trailer for Fantastic Beasts 3, The Secrets of Dumbledore, has dropped online. Now, I know there's been a lot of discussion about this film for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Fantastic Beasts films just simply have not been as well received as the Harry Potter mainline films. Understandably so. I actually have, I've enjoyed these films. I particularly like the second one. The second one got some criticism, but I'll tell you what, I particularly liked it. I thought Johnny Depp was great as Grindelwald. But then, of course, the other thing kind of working against is the fact that there was some controversy. Johnny Depp's been removed. But, man, if you can't have Johnny Depp playing him, getting Mads Mikkelsen. Mm -hmm. That... That is a pretty damn sweet move. You got to replace it. That's the guy you go with. And so there's been this whole thing. And, but, you know, they put out the new trailer. I thought the trailers up to now have been pretty good, pretty solid. I've liked them. This trailer? Dude. This is awesome. I'm not going to say it's the best 
Harry Potter trailer ever. Like one or two of the trailers for the uh, the uh, the Deathly Hallows Part One and the the second trailer for Deathly Hallows Part Two were pretty insanely good too. But this trailer ranks right up there. I look. I'm not a major Potterhead, but I have never been this excited to see a Harry Potter world, a Wizarding World of Harry Potter movie than I am excited to see this one. I'm not saying this is going to be the best movie they've done, but again, I'm not a major Potterhead. I'm just telling you, I watched this trailer. It gave me everything I want to see. You had some great facing off between Credence and Dumbledore, between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Having the, it had some. Uh, what's I'm looking for? Um, what is what's the Michael Mann one? Is it uh, uh, Heat? Heat. It had some Heat vibes when you had Grindelwald <laughs> and Dumbledore sitting at the table together. I'm like, I got some major, major Heat vibes off that. I thought that was great. The action looks fantastic. The little quippy things are great. I love the fact that they start with Gambone's Dumbledore in there. So, you know, you feel part of that world. Just showing some kid, you know, with the Quidditch, the, what is it called? The sneaker, the Seeky, the gold ball, the, the golden the testicle. The, the golden snitch. testicle. I prefer the golden <laughs> testicle. The snitch flying by and then the kid on the so you, the, the trailer immediately attaches you to the nostalgia of the Harry Potter world. But they don't dwell on it. And then they move right into Secrets of Dumbledore. And yeah, listen, I got to tell you, I, I thought it was a great trailer. Uh, as good as the Batman trailers, no. But I mean, this was a great trailer, and I have personally never been as excited for a Wizarding World movie as I am about this one. Whether or not it's good or not, we'll find out. Anyway, Rob, I know you had a chance to see this trailer this morning. What did the, you make of it? I had the same response that you did. I mean, this film looks like a epic fantasy the way that I like it's characters squaring off it's different agendas competing it looks like the action and the magic and the powers and the effect sequences are what i want from this kind of movie um but mostly for me john it's always about characters and story and this movie looks compelling to me i know it's funny to say but from an intellectual standpoint i i, I watched this and i said to myself this looks like there's a lot of meaty story here and i like the assembling of the uh of the, I, I I love movies that assemble a team. I'm a sucker for that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm hoping this is the return of the king of the Fantastic Beasts franchise. I mean, it's I'm excited, dude. This is a great trailer. Even Elizabeth turned to me and she never says anything after trailers. And we were watching and she goes, that looks really good. Yeah. It, I it, mean, it, to me, that's like a huge endorsement from her. Chris, you had a chance to sit back and watch this trailer this morning. Yeah. I'm not even totally sure. Where are you on the Potterhead scale? And what did you think about this trailer in particular? Oh, I love these movies. And I grew up reading the books, right? I was around the same age as Harry as the books were coming out. So I was so pumped or I was like, I'm so into this. And it was one of the few magical things in Texas we were uh, allowed to read. So that was very fun. Um, I'm pumped about this movie. I think everything looks great. Mads looks incredible in this, and that's got me really, really excited. I love Jacob Kowalski getting his own wand, which I know we've seen in the past, but seeing him do some more magic and actually knowing that he's going to be possibly competent at doing these spells and everything. <laughs> That's really exciting, too. And like Rob said, this team coming together, I'm really, really excited yeah. for. I think it's going to be a really epic battle. And that's where Harry Potter really kind of shined in the last few installments of that initial franchise, right? The final movie where we have the big epic battle at Hogwarts. Some of those more um, intense uh, dueling scenes we saw earlier on in the series. When you allow the wizards to fight each other, things get really, really cool. You know what else, John? I thought it was really interesting with the 20th anniversary special that uh, the opening sequence made me like it made Anne. I'm not even a Harry Potter fan. I watch that opening sequence. I'm getting emotionally like, wow. And I really like that 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 
special. But there was a lot made about the fact that, you know, J.K. Rowling, like, wasn't in it. And is the studio pulling back? I was surprised. And this trailer is like, from J.K. Rowling, you know. in And I was like, wow, okay. You know, we're, we're – because she created this friend, not just Harry Potter, but this particular brand and they're they're leaning heavily into that it's and yeah it's it's her entire it's world her yeah. entire world and, and she writes the scripts too and i just i thought that was really interesting so you know warner brothers embracing that and this trailer is like three and a half minutes long it's a long trailer i didn't think it was three and a half minutes i thought it was two and a half minutes was it only two and a half yeah. well, two and a half seemed long still it's, like, it's, a, it's a solid I, I legitimate felt, trailer i felt like i was getting a meal <laughs> like yeah this, was, this trailer felt satisfying when it was over i'm like i want to see more i was like what that was it, it was not only very satisfying for me but but I felt very fulfilled, but it made me want to sit down for the banquet. Yeah. You know, this this was the first course, but now I'm, I want, and this made me more excited about this movie than I've ever been. And here's my question, though, because we see Dumbledore square off with two individuals in this movie. I do. We see him square off, obviously, against Grindelwald, mm -hmm. but then we see him square off against Credence, Ezra Miller. And so my question becomes, who's the actual final boss? Is is Credence the first fight he has, and then it ends with Grindelwald because he is the title namesake, or do we find out Credence has an even bigger role here, and Credence is the big final boss? Dude, and he, there's something about Ezra Miller's facial expressions and his hair, like he, he looks like the ultimate. Like he's not smiling in any of these trailers. No, he's his persona has changed. He, he looks like a badass. Maybe he's actually a version of Barry Allen. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Barry Allen would have that Flash kind of uh, angry demeanor. I don't know. Who do you think is going to be the final boss in this one, Chris? I think it's still going to be Grindelwald. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. The books always made it that that was those two. Those two who were in love with each other, but also hated each other and were always against each other. But when then sometimes they weren't. Yeah, they have a very will they, won't they? I want to see all of it. Question is for you guys. <laughs> what did you think about the new trailer for Fantastic Beasts 3, The Secrets of Dumbledore? I don't know if the movie's gonna be any good. I, I, I honestly, I just don't know at this point. But the trailer I thought looked awesome. But it look, yeah. yeah, it looks great. How do you guys feel about it? What did you think? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campy Show? Well, it's simple. You guys come up with them. See, whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, Chris. What is our first main topic today? This is from Jeremy Ma. Hi, John. I checked out the SAG Awards for the first time ever because of hearing you guys talk about it, how it's mm. a major award right after the Oscars. It was a great show. Seeing Will Smith take Best Actor felt great since I thought he was awesome in King Richard. What did you think of the results and which win or snub stood out to you the most? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, I, as far as the acting categories go, other than the Oscars, the most important awards there are is SAG. Yep, that absolutely. is the Screen Actors Guild. It is their big award ceremony. It is the actors honoring actors. It's the big one as far like if you can't win the Oscar, but you can win another one, the one you want is the SAG. Because again, you're an actor being awarded by your peers. You're being recognized by your peers for, for a job of excellence well done. So that's the thing. And they had some really interesting things. Now, SAG covers both television and movies. Yep. And there was a number of really interesting things. The big one uh, to me that stood out was 
Will Smith winning Best Actor for King Richard. Well mm -hmm. deserved. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, this year, I feel a lot of years, but this year in particular is a very, very stacked year in the Best Actor category. But seeing Will Smith win that was great. Let's take a quick look at the results that we had here. So first, we're going to start in the television side. Outstanding performance by a male actor in a television uh, in a television movie or miniseries. That went to Michael Keaton in Dope Sick. I finally, because everybody was telling me I finally got to watch Dope Sick, finally did. Michael Keaton takes home uh, the uh, SAG Award for Dope Sick. Another guy that was uh, thought might be in the running for it was Oscar Isaac for Scenes from a Marriage. Evan Peters, I love seeing him getting nominated for Mayor of Easttown, mm -hmm. but Michael Keaton walks away with that. Then you got Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Television Movie or Miniseries. That went to Kate Winslet in Mayor of Easttown. So richly deserved. Yes, Absolutely. but depressing at the same time because it, it just, it highlighted uh, once again that Mayor of Easttown is not getting a season two. Yeah. It is a limited series and it's like, that sucks because I want to see where they got. I mean, but then again, Big Little Lies was originally written and designed and shot as a limited series. But then with the success of it, they just decided to go ahead and do a season two. So I'm going to keep my Sorry. fingers crossed that Mayor of Easttown gets another season and a well-deserved for Kate Winslet in that. Then we've got a outstanding actor, male actor in a drama series. And this is a surprise. Uh, Lee Jung-jae from Squid Games won. I really thought this was going to be Brian Cox's award again. As a matter of fact, three guys from Succession, from Succession were nominated. Brian Cox, Kieran Culkin, Jeremy Strong uh, were all nominated. Billy uh, Crudup from The Morning Show as well. He's great in that. He's so good. I'm, I'm going to say surprise, not just because, and I'm going to say something unpopular, but not just because I thought Brian Cox would win it. Mm -hmm. And I would have been okay with anybody else. As much as I like Squid Game, and I watched the whole thing in three days, I didn't necessarily think the performances were the most powerful part of the series. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I personally would have voted another way, but Squid Game's big win and not the only big win that Squid Game's got. Because that leads us into outstanding performance by a female actor in a drama series. And it went to Jung Ho Young, who also from Squid Game. Uh, she beat out the li likes of Jennifer Aniston, Elizabeth Moss for Handmaid's Tale, who's kind of been a, you know, regular mainstay in this thing. Uh, Sarah Snook from Succession uh, and Reese Witherspoon for Morning So. I mean, big, big, big and, hitters. And remember, they're acting in Korean. <laughs> yes. So they're not acting even in English, and they still took that award, and which again, is very impressive. I, I didn't think the strongest part of Squid Game. I didn't think the performances were the Not that I ever complained about any of the performances. Sure. Thing, but mm -hmm. still very interesting that they took those big two things which makes another category very interesting, but we'll get to that in a second. Then we get into outstanding performance by a male actor in a comedy series. Was there ever any doubt? Jason Sudeikis won yeah. uh, for Ted Lasso. Great nominees, Steve Martin and Martin Short, both for Only Murders in the Building. Uh, Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso and Michael Douglas for The Comsky Method. But Jason Sudeikis, no surprise there, takes it for Ted Lasso. Outstanding performance by a female actor in a comedy series, Gene Smart and Hacks. Yeah. Which she's has so kind of, good. Yeah, she's great. And that has quietly been building a lot of momentum lately. Still, a lot of people thought that maybe uh, Hannah would have won for Ted Lasso oh, yeah, as well. Yeah, that's who I figured had it in the bag. Um, but it went to Gene Smart for Hacks. Okay, this is where it gets interesting because the outstanding performance by an ensemble in a drama series. I find this curious because the winner was Succession. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. But you would think with Squid Game winning Best Actor and Best Actress, 
you would think that, I mean, that's those are the two biggest prizes. You would think then that they are part of the same ensemble. You'd figure the ensemble would go there. But I think Succession winning, look, Yellowstone is my favorite show on TV right now, but the, the chemistry between that cast on Succession is absolutely bonkers. Mm-hmm. Like, like crazy. Yeah. You can't take your eyes off them. So I'm glad they won. I just thought it was interesting that Best Lead Actor and Best Lead Actress went to one show, but Best Ensemble went to another. So I find that interesting. All right. And then uh, Best Performance by an Ensemble in a Comedy. No questions. No doubt. It was Ted Lasso for winner. Uh, but also only Murders in the Building did get some attention from there. But Ted Lasso wins for Best Ensemble for a Comedy Series. And then uh, Outstanding Action Performance by a Stunt Ensemble in a Comedy Series was Squid Game. No doubt there. I thought that was a, the right win for that. All right. Now we get into the movies. Outstanding performance by a male actor in a leading role, Will Smith. Listen to this lineup. Javier Bardem, Benedict Cumberbatch, Andrew Garfield, Denzel Washington, Will Smith. You could have given it to any of them, and I would have gone, yeah. I, I would have had no qualms with any one of these guys winning this, this award. Will Smith walks away from it, so congratulations to him. Best performance by a female actor in a leading role. A little bit of a surprise, Jessica Chastain for the eyes of Tammy Faye. Not undeserving. I'm just saying a little surprise. I thought Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos was getting a little bit of momentum. I thought maybe the fan side of it, Lady Gaga for House of Gucci. Olivia Coleman's been getting a lot of momentum too, but I have absolutely no complaints at all with Jessica Chastain winning for the eyes of Tammy Faye. Then we get into an outstanding performance by a male acting, actor in a supporting role, and this is where Coda starts to shine. Uh, Troy Coster's wins for Coda for Best Supporting Actor. Who's up against Ben Affleck? And who's Affleck. been calling that? I'll tell you, you who's been calling it. So well-deserved. He's so outstanding. He's, and he's great in this, and you've been calling it. You've mm-hmm. been saying. Now, we'll see how it fares up into the Oscar season, but he takes it for that. Again, up against like Jared Leto for House of Gucci, Cody smith McPhee. A lot of people had him pegged to win this for Power of the Dog, and Bradley Cooper for Licorice Pizza. Troy wins it for that, and it's not the only win. For Coda. Anyway, we get into outstanding performance by a female actor in a supporting role. No surprise here. Ariana wins it for West Side Story. I think she's kind of been the front runner in this the whole run through. Again, great performances from Ruth Nega, Kristen Dunst, Kate Banchette. Uh, but it was Ariana. Like you, you fall in love with this character Dude. the moment you oh, see absolutely. her on screen. One the, the some of the updates to her story too in this one. I finally watched it so I could vote for the final awards here. Um, are so good. Just oh. every, the the other girls trying to help Anita and everything. Like oh, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. All right, then we move on here. Outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture. Now this is kind of the SAGs version of best picture. Like they're just saying who is the best ensemble cast. And it was up against King Richard, House of Gucci, Don't Look Up, Belfast, Coda. Coda takes home best ensemble of a motion picture. Uh, again, somebody in this room had been calling it the whole time. And it wasn't me. And it, and it wasn't, wasn't me. you. It was Ray Ora. It was, was Ray calling Ora. Coda the whole time. No, it was <laughs> <laughs> Ray. Uh, no, it, it was Chris. Chris has been calling it and it takes home that award. So let's go around the circle. Chris, let's start with you. You know, uh, uh, some great great performances got honored here what is one that stood out to you the most and which one maybe to you was the biggest surprise for you 
Well, I'm so happy about CODA taking these awards home. And I think too, the CODA performance, that outstanding performance by a cast, that kind of ensemble thing for them is the same situation for why Succession got it, right? These actors came together to form this wonderful cohesive whole where they don't really work without the others, which is the best kind of acting, right? Acting is all reacting. So you want really, really great people in your corner. And that family dynamic in CODA is what makes that film really, really sing. It's at the heart of it with, you know, uh, Troy just really, really hitting all the feels in that one. Um, I was surprised by Squid Games getting those acting awards, but pleasantly surprised by it. Their speeches were so wonderful, particularly Jung's. Oh my gosh, it was so wonderful and heartfelt. Um, I really, really thought though that that was going to be another succession win. Um, I thought I thought it was going to be Kieran and I thought it was going to be Sarah for best actress. Um, and then I also, which one stood out to me? The, the male category, like you were saying, was just bananas. There were so, anyone could have won there. I did vote differently in that category, I will admit. I voted for my boy, Andrew Garfield. I really want him to take oh, it. Tick, I love him so boom. much. So tick, did I. Tick, boom. Boom. He, he was so, I mean, I, and again, I would have had no complaints exactly. if he Everyone in there is so wonderful. And I love that I, Jessica Chastain was even surprised by her win. Yes. She got up there and kind of was just like, what? And, and just had the best advice for any actors who are trying to get out there or anyone anyone who wants to get into this industry in any way, shape, or form, too, telling all of us that you were just one job away from mm. get, getting there, so don't quit. Um, Michael Keaton's speech was so beautiful. Yeah, it was great. Tribute nephew to his nephew. Stuff like that, yeah. Um, it was just a really, really great night with so many incredible pieces of media this year that I just really was happy with everything we got to see. That's how I kind of walked away from this was, this was a really great year for film and TV. Yeah. And I think Jessica Chastain, like you were mentioning her surprise. I mm -hmm. think she was most surprised because she, she thought her nomination would be for the 355. But you know, <laughs> you take you take what you can get, Rob. That, it's gonna get cinematography, yeah. that shaky camera. Rob, uh, for an incredible list of winners here, but which one stands out to you the most? Which one, if any, came to you as a little bit of a surprise? Well, I've got. I did a little research. I, I did a little homework. I wanted to bring in my favorite moment of the evening was Helen Mirren, who won oh, yeah. who won the Lifetime yeah. Achievement Award. I've loved Helen Mirren since Caligula, in 2010. <laughs> Helen Mirren said, and I quote, "But honestly, any achievement that I've succeeded in is the result of my mantra: be on time and don't be an ass." <laughs> That's what she said in her speech. And I'm like, Helen, you know what's up. And uh, I thought it was great that they honored her. I thought she was a great choice. But as far as the awards go, you know, I have to say, I liked how it was spread around, but I brought up earlier, I thought it was great that two actors from Squid Game won when they were acting in their, you know, obviously their native language and that their acting pr prowess still comes through because a lot of people watch Squid Game dubbed which I would never, I can't say right. I'm watching these yeah. dubs. So I thought that was a really, you know, with, with Parasite winning an Oscar and, and these actors being honored by SAG, it's truly becoming a, an international, our film and television and our media is slowly becoming global. There's no, the, the lines that we used to have that delineated our planet, whether it's region, whether it's language, are, are going away. And I'm there for it because I've been watching foreign films my whole life. But everybody everybody else, I mean, Jessica Chastain talked a lot about the makeup that she had to endure on her face and the yeah, eye stuff. And yeah. I mean, she really, it, she's been very vocal about how it was really difficult for the kind of the way John Reese davies talked about his appliances for Gimli and how uh, that's, that's another extra added thing actors have to put up with that we sometimes forget about. And to be able to deliver that kind of a performance underneath the kind of makeup she wore. I mean, she's one of our 
I mean, I know it's no, it, it, the fact that she's in movies like the 355 and does the eyes of Tammy Faye, great stuff. So look, I'm very happy with all the awards and kudos to Will Smith because that was richly deserved mm-hmm. as well. Question is for you guys. What did you think about the results we saw from the SAG Awards? Did your favorites win? Did you think there were some snubs? How do you think this is going to blueprint out what we may or may not see at the Academy Awards? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to our second main topic today, shall we? Chris, what is our second main topic today? This is from James Lockman. Hey, John. Frank Marshall, who has produced all four previous Indiana Jones films, has confirmed on social media that filming on Indiana Jones 5 has wrapped. Does this news up your excitement level? If not, what would get you more excited? The first trailer? Even though there have been many delays, I'm excited and curious because James Mangold is directing and Mads Mikkelsen is going to be in it. What are your thoughts? All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in. And yeah, the biggest conspiracy going on in the world has been the lie that there's an Indiana Jones 5 coming. It's all been a lie. Since 2008, when they first announced that they were going to work on another one, and delay after delay after delay, and the director changes, and all this kind of stuff, more Harrison Ford injuries, the lie, (laughs) the lie that there was another Indiana Jones coming has permeated our culture, and people have been buying into it. Well, it looks like it actually might be real. They've actually somehow some way for over a decade they've had this thing in one stage of development or another it looks like they finally got this thing done this comes to us from the folks over at IndieWire who write the following frank marshall who has produced all four of the previous indiana jones films along with the born and back to the future franchises and many a beloved steven spielberg film took to twitter to announce that the film has finished shooting that's a wrap He tweeted, along with a picture of an Indiana Jones baseball hat, after years of false starts and delays, the film's completion should come as welcome news to fans eagerly awaiting another adventure from the globe-trotting archaeologist. And we'll go over to Twitter here, take a quick look at what it was that Frank Marshall tweeted. I just put out, that's a wrap. I think Mangold also sent out the same tweet. There's also something interesting here. Why don't you take a look at this? Is that we might also be seeing the title of the movie here. It just indie. I hope not. I actually don't think that's a that wouldn't be a bad title. But I love the titles. The the you know Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and the Last Crusade. But the first one was just Raiders of the Lost Ark. It wasn't Indiana Jones. But Raiders of the Lost, Lost Ark. Ark is a cool title. It's a cool. I like the idea. I think you Indy, just I have to say it like one of his love interests though. Indy. But and the way it looks, I I think. Look, by the way. Nothing is saying that this is the official title of the movie, which that just could be the crew hat, and they just happen to put that on the crew hat. But if it was the title, tell you what, I'm down for it. I think it would be an all right title, a simple, short, one-word title with the great imagery, and everybody knows. You just say indie, everybody knows what you're talking about. They they don't think you're talking about the car race. They don't think you're talking about the Colts. They're talking about Indiana Jones. But being that as it may, the big story here, though, is obviously – that they have, so they say, wrapped production, and it's done. Harrison Ford can crash more planes. He can have more doors huh. fall on his legs. It's okay because he doesn't have to be on set anymore. By the way, we do not wish for any harm to fall no. our beloved Harrison Ford at all. He must be protected. But it, like, it's clear. It's like you can you can get back involved in your risk-taking adventures, Harrison Ford, because you don't have to be on set tomorrow. 
it almost feels surreal that this thing is actually now in the can. By the way, this movie is still forever away. This movie doesn't come out till, I believe, June of next year. They've wrapped production, but it doesn't come out for over another year. So that's that's because they really want this thing to have a summer release date. So I, I kind of get that. And anyway, Rob, you you hear about this? They have wrapped. It's actually done. It's in the can, Indiana Jones 5. What are your thoughts on this, number one? And number two, now that it's it's tangibilized, as I would say, where's your expectation for an Indiana Jones 5 right now? John, I hate to say this. Hmm. I'm neutral. Hmm. I'm neutral. I'm like, I love the Indiana Jones franchise. Raiders of the Lost Ark was uh, one of the most exhilarating uh, experiences I've ever had in a theater because nobody knew what it was about at the time. But, uh, you know, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I know it's cliche to say this, but I, I've never seen a movie where I, I thought all the decisions made in that film were the wrong ones. Um, the only thing that gives me hope now, and Steven Spielberg, obviously one of my favorite directors, the fact that James Mangold came into this property and coming off of movies like Logan and like Ford v. Ferrari, I mean, Mangold has been a powerhouse, really uh, a filmmaker that's always reliable, even when something he makes is not the greatest in the world, but still reliable. He's always there for great dude, and some of the stuff he makes is some of the greatest things in the world. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, dude, Ford v. Ferrari was like, oh, my God, I, I love it so much. I'm really hoping that, and he's both an auteur, he's a writer, director. I'm hoping this movie's terrific because who knows how many movies Harrison Ford has in him. This could be a swan song. You never know. So I want this movie to be great, but I'm going to stay neutral. Until I see a trailer, I'm glad it's done. I'm glad they finished it. I can't wait to see it. To be honest, I, I mean, why not get excited for an Indiana Jones movie? But I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be uh, my, my, my. I'm just gonna wait, John. Wait till the trailer. Hope it's great. I'll, I'll tell you what. I am. I'm number one surprised that it's done. My expectation level then is all based on one thing and one thing alone, and that's James Mangold. Mm -hmm. That that's it. The guy who directed Copland, which is, I mean, take Rocky out of it, probably Sylvester Stallone's greatest accomplishment, greatest feature. Uh, he did one of my favorite Westerns other than um, Unforgiven in 310 to Yuma. Yuma. Yeah. I love what he did on that. I love Night and Day, the one he did with Tom Cruise. It was fun. I, I really enjoyed the movie. I love Logan. I love Ford v. Ferrari. You know, I was bummed out like everybody else when they said Steven Spielberg wasn't directing it anymore. But hey, man, if you can get James Mangold in there to do it, uh, I'm all I'm completely all for it. And so that's the reason why I still have a lot of enthusiasm. And and by the way, as much as Steven Spielberg is the goat, getting some fresh blood into this franchise probably isn't a bad idea. And he might be able to take it to the next level, and we'll see where we go. Anyway, Chris, yeah, number one. What do you think about them actually finishing production on this movie? And number two, where's your anticipation level like, uh, right, like, oh, right now? Uh, like you, I didn't think this was a real thing. Or it was just, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> They're not making this movie. But, you know, I've been proved wrong twice now. The Flash and now this. So keep going, Hollywood. Good job. Uh, I honestly wasn't excited about this at all before. Um, I'm someone who, uh, Chris, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is in my marriage vows. Uh, what? Really? I, I told Logan that I was still marrying him knowing that he likes King, uh, Crystal Skull. All right, that's good. That's fair. Um, because he's he's a Tombstone Pizza guy, right? Even if it's bad, it's still pizza. Even if a movie's bad, it's still fun sometimes for him. He, he finds joy in things that I wish I did. 
Um, but knowing now that Mangold is involved, like y'all, I'm very excited about that. I'm a big 310 to Yuma fan. Obviously, love the movie Logan. And I'm really excited about Mads Mikkelsen. Me too. I, Put him in everything. He makes everything better. Oh my gosh, he's like everything but the bagel seasoning from Trader Joe's. I just want that shit on everything. So that makes me very, very happy. And this kind of is a Mad Mickelson kind of episode. We yeah. were just talking about him in the in the Secrets of Dumbledore. Exactly. Now in this. Making everything better today. But I, I am. I'm going to be cautiously optimistic about this. You know, the last film wasn't my favorite, but hopefully, mm -hmm. with somebody else in the mix, we'll see something really great. You know, I I have a very weird outlook on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I've always kind of felt like it's not a bad little adventure movie if it was called anything other than Indiana Jones. Like, I've always kind of felt if this was called, you know, uh, Dr. Whistlehorn Fembottom and the <laughs> Alien Treasures of the Jungle, if, that, if it, that's what it was nailed called. It. Yeah, I just nailed it right there. If that's what it's called, I probably would have approached it and looked and said, that's not a bad little adventure film. But it just, it wasn't an Indiana Jones movie. You know what I mean? And so one of my biggest memories of that movie was I was invited to the Paramount lot to watch this movie for the first time. And I was sitting beside uh, Larry King. And it, it was Larry King and his, at the time, you know, super hot 31-year-old supermodel girlfriend, whoever she was at the time. I can't remember. But I remember sitting beside Larry King. That's something I'll never forget. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Indiana Jones 5 is now done shooting and now goes into post-production, coming out next summer. How do you guys feel about it? What are your thoughts on the movie right now in general? Are you looking forward to it? Do you think it's too late? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Guys, we want to take a second and thank one of the sponsors of this video, Stamps.com. You know, they call what I and what a lot of you guys do small business, but to us, it doesn't seem small. It's the world to us, and you can't afford to miss out on opportunities to grow and keep your customers wanting more. Because time is money. Don't waste either with repeated trips to the post office. With Stamps.com, you can skip the trip and focus on how to take your business to the next level. Stamps.com lets you print official postage right from your computer and saves you money in the process, so you can spend less time at the post office and more time making making your customers happy. Stamps.com gives you access to all of the post office and UPS shipping services that you need right from your computer. And get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. So stop overpaying for shipping with Stamps.com. Sign up with the promo code CAMPIA for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com and click on the microphone at the top of the page and enter the code CAMPIA. And thank you to the good folks over at Stamps.com for helping make today's episode of the John Campia Show possible. Make sure you use that promo code CAMPIA. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three, shall we? Chris, what is our third main topic today? Third one's from Ignacio. Hi, John and team. Colin Farrell has been one of my favorite actors since he did in Bruges. I'm excited for the Batman as much as anyone, but I feel like everyone has been ignoring the Penguin spinoff. I think it has potential to be just as good or better than the movie. Farrell was just quoted as saying that the series will be getting an R rating for deeper violence. What do you think of the spinoff series going R-rated when the main movie, Batman, is sticking with a PG-13? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, listen, uh, there's been a lot of there's been a lot going on with Batman. A lot of Batmanisms going on. 
with not only do we have the Batman coming out, we got Michael Keaton's Batman coming in Flash and in the Batwoman or Batgirl movie, I should say. We got the Batgirl movie. Ben Affleck is going to have his little goodbye swan song in the Flash. And then, of course, kind of flying under the radar has been another series that they announced, which was Colin Farrell's going to return as Penguin for an HBO Max series, which I it made a lot of sense to me because I remember thinking, I heard initially that the Penguin doesn't have, actually have a huge role in this Batman movie with Robert Pattinson, which made me think, well, why go out and get a guy of the caliber of Colin Farrell for that? Then when we heard that they're going to be doing a TV series based on the character, then that made more sense because you got him now locked in for more projects, right? So that makes a lot more sense to me. So what would this Penguin movie feel like? Well, Colin Farrell was doing an interview and he kind of just talked about that a little bit, about the direction that this series could go. This is what Colin Farrell had to say. I still can't believe that's him, by the way. Anyway, his ambitious and his vulnerability, his ambition and his vulnerability, his humor. I mean, it was just the tip of the iceberg in this film for me. But there were little moments in the scripts that Matt wrote in relation to Oz, that's Penguin, little bits of humor and awkwardness as well, and his origin. You know why he is the man and he is all that stuff. If we get six to eight hours to do it, I just think the character could be endlessly fun and fascinating and brutal. I hear that we're going to be allowed to kind of do an R-rated version, perhaps, which would be nice to explore the violence that could permit, perhaps, and the darkness that could allow us to explore. And that comes to us again from Colin Farrell talking about his upcoming project of Penguin. This sounds exciting to me. Now, there's two things you need to point out, though. The Penguin is going to be a television series. It's going to be an HBO Max. TV series don't get rated R or PG-13 or PG. So, it's like, he's talking, he's talking uh, comparatively. Also, from everything we understand about the Batman, when you read the Batman's PG-13 rating for extreme violence, for all this kind of stuff, it doesn't sound like maybe Penguin would be all that far off from it either. But being on HBO Max, it does afford them a little bit of flexibility to go a little harder, maybe have some bloods, more blood squibs than maybe you'd have in the Batman, what have you. But everything that Colin Farrell here is talking about has me excited. I love what I'm hearing. Rob, you're hearing Colin Farrell's words here. You're talking about the depth he wants to go, where he comes from, maybe going a little more into the, the violence of this underworld that he kind of controls. What do you think about his words? Dude, I uh, first of all, having read the initial reviews from people on this movie, it, it, a lot of these characters are in their proto prototypical stages, prototype stages. They're, they're newly minted villains. And it sounds like uh, how Colin Farrell is, how the Penguin is being presented, to me sounds very intriguing. And it sounds like he has definitely a reason for doing what he's doing. He apparently works for Falcone. Um, and maybe there's a void he wants to fill in his life. I think there's a lot of story to be explored there. And, you know, The Peacemaker would be an R-rated series, John. And HBO Max has already shown us where they're willing to go and what they're willing to do. Yes. So mm -hmm. I'm just like... Dealing with the criminal, watching the rise of a criminal. If this was the the new version of the Sopranos in Gotham City with the Penguin as Tony Soprano, I, I, come on, that could be awesome. And I love Colin Farrell, so bring it on.
by the way, how good the, the, the writer who wrote in the email mentioned in Bruges, how, how, so good. how great is he? And not oh. only he and in Bruges, I'm reminded of my favorite line thing. You don't know karate. <laughs> oh my God. I die every time that happens. First of all, Colin Farrell, uh, Brennan Gleason, mm -hmm. uh, Ray Fiennes. I mean, uh, it's just, if you guys haven't seen in Bruges, Go watch In Bruges. You'll you'll definitely be uh -huh. delighted that you did. Um, and yes, you're right. Like I've read a lot about how in this movie he's kind of a lieutenant to Falcone. Yeah. But that then the series would be about his now ascension to taking over the underworld <clears throat> in Gotham, which to me sounds amazing. If that's the case, anyway, Chris, you're hearing Farrell's words here. Mm -hmm. Do you like what you're hearing? What stands out to you? What are your thoughts right now? I do like this because if it is that story, right? getting out from under Falcone's shadow and becoming the kingpin of the underworld here in Gotham. Why would that not be violent? I don't know about y'all, but if I'm a crime boss, I'm not gonna do it with like free candy and kisses. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna <laughs> knock some heads. So this makes sense to me. I mean, think about too, going back to something like Daredevil, how violent that scene was of, uh, of kingpin smashing that guy's head in you yeah. know, with the door. And we didn't even see any of that. We allowed our imaginations to make that so much worse than it was. So on something like HBO, when you can take more liberties, like we've seen with Peacemaker, I, I think this is going to be outstanding. Uh, I still stand by, he looks like Richard Kind. Weirds me out. <laughs> Weirds me out so much. Um, but I'm really excited to see what they do with this character because we've always seen him too as kind of the, this like monocle wearing kind yeah. of snooty dude. And I'm really excited to see him more as this kind of grizzled, torn up gangster. I think it's going to be really yeah. interesting. You know what's funny? You, you, you talk about that image, right? Mm -hmm. Burgess Meredith set the template for our understanding of Penguin. And ever since, that's exactly who we picture as Penguin. When we think of Penguin, no matter how they've changed his iterations a bit in the comic books or portrayed him in some animated stuff, we're here. When we think of Penguin, we think of... Like, that's what we yeah. think of, right? We don't think of Cesar Romero. When Joker now comes up, we don't think of Cesar Romero. We don't think of that at all. When we think of Batman, we don't... Uh, R.I.P., we don't think of Adam West. When we think of Robin now, we don't think of, you know, Dick, the Dick Grayson portrayed in there, uh, Ward. What was his name? Burt Ward. Burt Ward. We don't think of Burt Ward. But for whatever reason, that Burgess Meredith version of the Penguin is still kind of there. And that's what we think about, even though it's transformed. And maybe Colin Farrell's the guy to change our entire perception of the character. Yeah. Maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe he's not. It anyway, has like a Scarface written all over it, mm -hmm. I think. I mean, that's, and that's what, that's a good observation because that is, something that one of the producers kind of compared it to. It's like, basically he said, we're seeing the rise of Tony Tony in Scarface. That's what we're seeing here with that, so. Only with Cobblepot. Only with Oz <laughs> Cobblepot. Striking fear into Pot the hearts face. of Gatham. Say hello to my little friend, his little rubber duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I don't know which way they go with it. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this, about what Colin Farrell is saying about his penguin about what the future of it is, how hard they could go in the HBO Max thing. What do you guys think about that? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? This comes from Duke. Good morning, John. 
Okay, so while I don't share your optimistic appraisal of the situation regarding Morbius... That's a very good Vader call out there, by the way. (laughs) I mean, I don't think the movie is actually going to be any good. I will admit that the trailers and clips have been pretty spot on. The final trailer put out this morning, and I think it's the best one yet. Still not sure the movie will be good, but the trailers sure make it look good. Have you seen the new trailer yet? What do you think? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Duke. Let me tell you what. I have been on board with this Morbius project since they announced it. I got more on board with it when they announced that Academy Award winner Jared Leto was going to be starring in it. By the way, did you guys see the trailers for the We Crashed series? Yeah, the WeWork series, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I watched the documentary about the whole WeWork stuff, Mm -hmm. and when I started watching the trailer, I'm like, did they get the actual guy? Wait a minute, is that Jared Leto? Yeah, the makeup on that is incredible. It's so good. Anyway, so I'm fascinated. Again, as somebody who watched the documentary stuff on the WeWork situation, I'm fascinated far more than I am about the Uber one with uh, Joseph Mm -hmm. Gordon-Levitt. Super pumped, I think. Yeah, and we're also getting the Theranos one with uh, Amanda Seyfried Seyfried, playing. And she, her version of Elizabeth Holmes is like spot on. Like, it's scary. So we're getting all these, I love all these corporate YouTube millions, billions of dollars of investment documentaries about things that fail no dramas as good as real drama uh, it's unbelievable so jared leto is in here so i was on board with it right away then they announced leto and then they put out the first trailer and i adored the first trailer i thought it was i thought it was fun i thought it was right on board with it the whole bit and then that clip they put out that scene where morbius is going through the ship and basically we see a little bit of it in this trailer but they gave us a full scene of it before where he is just straight up murdering fools canceling subscriptions to life left right and center <laughs> and it, it felt visceral and raw and violent i'm like how is this rated pg oh that's right we don't see red blood we see some black blood splatter which was an old comic book trip that the the comic book writers used to use to get around the comic yep. book code. Mm-hmm. so we saw some black stuff going on but anyway that was great new trailer came out i think it's the best one they put out yet i don't think it's quite as good as that Secrets of Dumbledore trailer. Yeah. But they gave us a lot more Michael Keaton. And in a different context. So, like, I was originally thinking when we saw Michael Keaton that one trailer, it's like, this is probably the one scene Michael Keaton's in. Like, we're going we're gonna to get a scene with him. We're going to have, it's going to be one to two minutes long, blah, blah. But we now see in this trailer, there's an entire another setting that Michael Keaton is in. And... The fact, on top of that, that Michael Keaton just posted on social media, him being at the uh, sound studio saying, I'm here doing some tomes work. It's like, well, okay. So he's still, so he is more involved in this film than I initially thought he was. Which he's kind of became the de facto narrator of this trailer, which I thought was exciting and really good. Again, I really like it. The best part material they put out, though, to me is still that scene where he's going through and ripping everybody apart in the yeah. boat. That's still their best piece of marketing, but I thought this was a solid trader. I'm very excited for this movie. April can't get here fast enough for me, so I'm super stoked. Anyway, Rob, you had a chance to check out the trailer for Morbius. What did you think of the trailer, and where does that leave your anticipation for the movie right now as a whole? Well, first of all, this is a straight-up vampire movie. I've loved vampire movies my whole life. I'll watch any vampire movie. I I don't care if it's sparkly vampires. I don't care if it's (laughs) old vampires. I don't care if it's hot vampires. I'll watch any vampire movie. This is a straight-up vampire horror film. I mean, where a dude turns into a vampire and has great comic book vampire powers. I'm in. I was in before I saw a trailer. I love Morbius in the comics. Uh, uh, So I'll tell you, John, 
uh, these trailers have all been good. There's been three, right? Total of three. I think three total. Three. If, if you're if you include the um, no, uh, if you include the this the clip they put out, the, I think that'd be four. Yeah, that's a, yeah then they released a clip yeah. which which is on the boat. What's not to love? And I love the design of the character. The My God, just look at him. They they nailed the look of the that, character. That, I love the design. It, it might be one of my favorite vampire designs ever in a movie. Um, I don't know if that's full on like final design. Maybe he, he morphs and changes. But what is not to want to see? This this is, dude. I'm in. I can't wait. I'm very excited. Although I kind of wish they didn't pick the April first release date. But you know what are you gonna do? I know, but that's just on whatever. Midnight Suns, anybody? Anyway, I know. Chris, you had a chance to see the new final trailer. What did you think of the trailer, and where does that leave you overall with your feelings about the movie coming up? You know, I'm I'm more like Duke, who wrote in here. I'm not really that excited about this movie. What? But the trailer looks decent. I'm not I'm not a big Leto fan. I don't. Oh. I, he doesn't do it for me as much vampires? as other actors. Come on. I do love vampires, so I'll give this a shot. But you know, I've said before, I want I want Man Bat. I don't want this. Um, <laughs> I want Man Bat. And give wrong me Man universe, Bat. Give me wrong universe. I know that's what I want though. So. I would rather have that kind of movie. But the trailer does look good here. What I'm more excited about is Michael Keaton. What I'm more excited about is Matt Smith. I love that Matt Smith is doing that David Tennant kind of track too of I've played the doctor, but now I'm going to play villains. I'm going to yeah, play yeah. I'm playing we villains. finally get some Matt Smith. Exactly. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. And he looks playing Crown, which is going to be a really great foil He looks in really here. great. You're the oh, villain. It's going to be said. so good. I'm really excited about that dynamic and seeing what he does with that character. Um, I do like the final design and everything. I love the Morbius face. Give me more of that. I don't need Jared Leto running around looking like Jesus. Make him look like a vampire. <laughs> well, I think... When he transforms, I think they've done a pretty good job of making him look like a vampire. Yeah, now, that, right, that right I've nice. heard this movie's going to clock in around uh, one hour and 40 minutes. So I just guess. No, we're, what are you thinking about you this? Know, you see the trailer? I, I I don't know how you're feeling about Morbius. We didn't get enough Tyrese in the trailer. That's the problem. <laughs> you know? Like, I want to see. I want to see it focused on Tyrese. No, like like Rob, I'm, I I like vampire movies, like especially when Blade actually came out like i've been into the vampire thing ever since then um my excitement for this i don't know maybe it's a little tempered or just like i i the with the batman coming out it's kind of hard to like focus on any other film right now so yeah uh after the batman um maybe i'll start focusing on this one but everything looks good like the design looks good it looks terrifying actually like um I, um when they show his transformation and his face and his growls or whatever. Yeah, it looks terrifying. I hope it's a good, like, sort of comic horror uh, slash horror film, which we haven't really gotten. Yeah, now, here's what I... Well, one of the things I really liked, and I forgot to mention this. One of the things I really liked about this trailer was <clears throat> what they'll teach you in film school is that the antagonist of a film can be many things. It's the, the baseline of any story is man versus. Now, quite often when we think about that in the antagonist, we think of man versus man. But there are other antagonists. Like, for instance, when you go back and look at Tom Hanks's Castaway, it, it, there's no bad guy in the film. It's man versus nature, right? So sometimes nature itself or the environment is the antagonist of the film. But one of the ones they teach in film school is man versus himself. And... I started getting, you know, undertones of that in this trailer. 
Like they're not like somebody wrote to me this morning and, and quite accurately said, like, we still don't know who the bad guy is. Like we still haven't seen the bad guy in the movie. I'm like, maybe we have. And it's the same guy. Like, I, I don't know. Obviously, I do think there is going to be a, a, I mean, Matt Smith. Yeah. There's going to be a villainous figure. But there will figure. also be an internal conflict. Yes. <laughs> and I think this trailer kind of showed us about that a lot of this movie, and I hope they go this way, get a little bit more cerebral, about can I, am I a good man? Or am I, do I give in and become the monster? I got to make a choice. Do I hunt and drink people's blood or do I die? And, and like, where does he fall into that? And I personally really like that aspect of the trailer. So, a lot. Well, your favorite horror film is American Werewolf in London. Yes. And it's the same yes, kind of conflict. Mm -hmm. Good point. You know, the trailer mentioned like uh, the Venom. Yes. You think we'll see him in this? Oh, I actually kind of do. With that, with that mentioning of him, I kind of thought the chances went up. Let's a put it bit. this way. With the fact that Michael Keaton is there. Mm-hmm. What on earth is stopping Venom from being in it? Now, again, look, I'm all for cameos as long as the cameo serves a narrative purpose. I I'm kind of getting over the, look, kids, shiny keys yeah. cameos that have no purpose. They're just empty calories. If they can figure out a narrative reason why a Tom Hardy and a Venom would even just appear quickly, I'd be all for it. You've been you've been calling that we're going to see Venom appearing in a lot of stuff. You think and Look, with a lot of different characters. We got Michael Keaton presumably playing the Vulture. I would assume. Yeah. So, what's to say? And and he's like, I want us to call me Mr. Morbius. You know, it's clearly there is a we're building. There's a, there's team building going on here, John. I would not be surprised. Remember, this is a Spider Verse movie. I would not be at all surprised if there is a post credit scene showing Morbius along with other characters, whoever they may be. No surprise at all. No surprise at all. As a matter of fact, I expect it to happen, oh. to be honest. Ooh. Because why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, this, you, <laughs> maybe Craven, who knows? But this is, this is the beginning of a salvo <laughs> of creating a villain, a formidable team of villains. I, I look, and I'm all in on this because I know... The, the Venom movies aren't everybody's cup of tea. I, I unapologized, screw y'all. I love the Venom movies. Yeah, yeah me too. I I, I'm sure, I still remember you and me went to go watch it. We were like, oh my God. And the audience we were with was having so much fun with it. I just think they found a really good temperature for those movies. But you're right. You were also calling that in the next Venom movie, we're going to see Andrew Garfield. Like you really believe that too. So we could be seeing a lot of intermingling here. and Especially because he's already started saying, I'm tired of lying. He's already yeah. now in the press going, ah, I don't want to talk about Spider-Man anymore. I get it. I get it. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What did you think about the new Morbius trial? I'm not going to lie. I liked it a lot, and my anticipation level for the movie is actually quite high. Where's yours at right now? Whatever you guys are thinking, good or bad, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number five. Chris. What is our fifth main topic today? This one is from Alan Reddock. Hey, everyone. It's finally Bat Week. Batman Eve, everybody. Happy Batman Eve. And I know everyone is excited for the film. However, reviews are coming out today, so I need to know what percentage do you think the film will have by opening day? And for a little bonus, what is everybody's box office prediction for the film? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. Uh, we've, we've talked about box office predictions uh, at this ad nauseum. So... Um, I did. Um, and 
today was the day. Now, last week we talked about the first reactions that came out of the London premiere of the Batman, and they were glowing. There were words like spectacular, uh, euphoric, this is going to become your new favorite Batman, like all those sorts of things. But what we have seen is normally when the first reactions come out, 85 to 90% of the time they stay in line with what the reviews, but we have seen examples before where first reactions came across as pretty positive and then the reviews came out and they got tempered a bit. Well, today was the day that the Batman actually has its first reviews coming out. And as of this moment, it is holding a 94% as of this moment on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's go and look. Now, I pulled up the first two reviews, all right? One of the first reviews I pulled up was CNET. Uh, I actually like Richard over at CNET. I, I like his reviews quite a bit, actually. He wrote the following in his opening. You've seen a million Batman movies, but you still need to steal yourself for the darkest dark night yet. Yes. Starring Robert Pattinson as DC's Cape Crusader, the Batman is an intense and apocalyptic cinematic experience. I want to read this again. You have to steal yourself for the darkest dark night yet, starring Robert Pattinson as DC's Cape Crusader. The Batman is an intense and apocalyptic cinematic experience. Bruh. Now we go over to Peter over at Variety. And Peter, they slapped the critics' pick label on this film. And Peter wrote the following. Where do you go after the dark night? Ben Affleck blew it. I wholeheartedly disagree with him about I that. Too. I do not believe Ben Affleck crushed it anyway but where do you go after the dark night ben affleck blew it and even christopher nolan who brought unprecedented levels of realism and gravitas to the franchise best batman saga couldn't improve on what he created in his 2012 sequel so what is cloverfield director matt reeves strategy answer go darker than the dark knight deadlier than No Time to Die, and longer than Dune, with a serious-minded <laughs> Batman standalone of his own. Leaning into those elements doesn't automatically mean audiences will, will embrace Reeves' vision, but his this grounded, frequently brutal, and nearly three-hour film noir registers among the best of the genre, even if, or more aptly, because what makes the film so great is its willingness to dismantle and interrogate the very concept of superheroes. And that's just the opening quip from Peter over at Variety. And overall, the reviews we've been reading are fantastic. Actually, Rob, you were reading our friend Greg Alba uh, put out, yeah. who's been on the show a number of times. He put out his review. What was some of the things well, Greg was saying of it? Too? So, I, you know, it was funny. When the, when the embargo dropped, I was driving here. And uh, I, I just went on, on you know, yeah, when I was driving, I wasn't looking, but I was on my phone. <laughs> my phone's connected through Bluetooth through the car. So the first thing that came up was the real rejects right out of the theater review. And I really like Greg Alba. I like the real rejects. Yeah, him and John are great. They're great. Him and John were great. And it was the two of them. And I just hit the review playing it in my car. So I'm listening to their voices. Very, they sound great. And Greg Alba said, I'm paraphrasing here. So if I get this wrong, Greg. I apologize. But uh, he basically said, imagine if this new Batman movie were produced in the 70s by Francis Ford Coppola, and it was a remake of Polanski's Chinatown, as directed by David Fincher, and written by somebody who listened to a lot of Nirvana. <laughs> and I, 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 I was like, dude, 
That was the best description I could possibly be given by somebody who I, I appreciate his taste. We're usually aligned. That's all I needed to hear. And I'm like, my God, if you read these reviews, uh, we know we're getting an epic film. This is an actual look at the corruption in a city. There's multi layers to it. We're seeing it from many different perspectives. And what I was hearing, and now that we've I've read a lot of reviews, I think it's incredible. Now, unfortunately, there's still a lot of fan pushback on this movie. I'm seeing a lot of people like, this movie's incredible, the reviews, and then somebody will show like all the reviews for lesser comic book movies like Wonder Woman 84, where reviewers said the same thing. I would say, no, 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 every movie's different. And Matt Reeves is a different kind of a filmmaker. And when you start reading the reviews, read between the lines as to what people are actually saying about what's going on in this film. And for me, the comparisons to Fincher and Seven and Zodiac and Chinatown, that's all I need to hear. John, I think we got something special. It's not going to be the pulp comic book Batman that you've always wanted, but it's been the Batman that I've always wanted to see. All right, let me, let's go over for a second, take a look at what some other folks uh, are saying over here. Like right now, sitting at a 96 at the moment. That'll, that's going to fluctuate as all the reviews start to flood in more. We're going to see that 96 go up and down. Is there any tomato? Uh, is there any splat reviews from a big uh, critic? Uh, big. Well, I got one here from uh, uh, Moira McDonald from the Seattle Times. My hometown? Yep, who writes, depressing, dark, and endless. I don't know about you. But this particular time in history does not seem like the moment for a movie that will leave you a miserable and b wondering why nobody in Gotham seems to have heard of light bulbs. <laughs> there you go. I think I'm writing negative reviews. That's that's great to me. But be. is that really negative? Uh, well, she mm. does give it a splat. But it's funny because you notice that the thing she's focusing on. To somebody else, those are strengths. Yeah, that's like but a lot of noir a film is. That's like right. the definition of a noir movie, which but, is but what again, this is. But again, it's a great example about how as art, we can all stand in front of the same piece of art and get a different experience from it. She's pointing out some things that a lot of other critics are saying are strengths, but to her, it's a negative. But to me, it's what she doesn't like. I would like to re read a review of, of somebody looking at this material and actually delving into what's actually there. You know, when right, she but everybody's first... quotes is going to be what they did like and what they did. Like even the variety quote I just read was just, well, in their opinion, they liked this and it did this and it did this. But this is interesting. So there's another negative one from a top critic uh, from the San Francisco Chronicle who wrote the following. Um, he wrote, from start to finish, the Batman is mostly just a collection of bad ideas. Wow. Oof. Now, granted, these are all reviews that are in the vast minority. At this moment, uh, they say they've got 71 reviews. Three of them are, are listed as rotten. So that's what we've got there. But then we get things like the uh, Independent in the UK. The Batman is a very good Batman film. Uh, to think of it as anything more only leads to delusion or disappointment. So you mm. get some middle-of-the-road stuff, and then you get the really highfalutin stuff that a lot of people are liking. But right now, it's sitting at about a 96 Again, the variety in the Hollywood Reporter and CNET reviews and Greg Alba's reviews are great to me. Also, I talked to a buddy of mine who saw it two nights ago um, who said straight up, now granted, me and this buddy of mine don't have the most similar opinion of, of movies, but he thinks the Batman is the new gold standard of what the comic book genre can be. Wow. Like what Logan kind of showed us comic book movies could be what the Dark Knight showed us what comic book movies could be. Uh, he says the Batman is now that standard bearer. 
And so that's just from, uh, I've only talked to two people I know personally who've seen the movie, but that's generally the response I'm getting is absolutely unbelievably fantastic. Um, and, and, you know, I'm reading a number of people too, just say, yeah, this isn't the dark night, but it's really good. And like, you know, my opinion going into this movie was I don't need this movie to be the next dark night. No, I don't either. I don't need it to be as good as the dark night. I don't need it to be better. The dark night is a top three greatest comic book film of all time. I don't need this movie to be that. I just want it to be really good. That's all I need. Just be really good. And if it's more than that gravy, but the vast, vast majority right now seem to be of the opinion that this movie is very good. Some saying even better than that, but generally speaking, at the very least, they're saying it's very good. Anyway, Chris, you're hearing, like, you've seen the reviews, the numbers. You've been reading a bunch of them your own. What's the overall impression you're getting from the critics that are coming out across? And where does that leave you as far as where your expectations are? I feel like the majority of critics are enjoying this film. And if you do get into the, is this the movie we need right now? If we're doing that with like the, it's not the movie we need, but it's the movie we deserve and treating it like it's Batman <laughs> itself. I think that's not giving this movie what it should be given, right? That's Agreed. putting a lot of un, un, unnecessary expectations on this film. I'm excited about it. The reviews make me excited about it. I really want this to be great. Uh, I was in kickboxing yesterday and my instructor was like, man, your crew really wants this movie to be good, huh? It's like, yeah, six hours of our life are going to be devoted to it this week at least. So I really hope we have a good time. And you know what? I think we will. I think this is going to be a really promising film. And I'm excited that it is gritty and dark. We've talked about that ad nauseum on this. I want that from this version of The Bat. I think it's going to be fun. I'm going to go down through a few more here that we've had to take a look at. Uh, I'm going to start with my home country of, the, the, of Canada. The Globe and Mail says... Um, I am as surprised as anyone because the Globe and Mail is traditionally a little hard on things. I'm as surprised as anyone to say that after watching Pattinson in action, I'm calling on the industry to bring on all of its many Batmen, Batwomen, uh, Batbats, keep them coming, hot and ready until we choke on a cowl. So, I mean, <laughs> that's his response to this. Damn. Um, Okay, uh, the Arizona Republic, one of the top critics writes, the Batman is impressively made, the acting is first rate, and the chemistry between Pattinson and Kravitz is magnetic. It's meant to be an important statement. It's not a lot of, although it's not a lot of, you know, fun. <laughs> Leaning into what everybody's saying about how dark it is and all that kind of stuff. Um, let's see, where are we at here? Uh, Laura Potter from Starburst writes Reeves the Batman is an impressive exploration of the characters uh, year two and a visually stunning violent and believable uh, believably gritty detective film to please the purists and introduce casual fans to a different version of the bat uh -huh. so what we're the general consensus we seem to be pulling out here is number one this movie's dark like every, the, the, the consensus yeah. seems to be it's darker than the dark Knight. And a lot of them seem to love it, that it's darker than the Dark Knight. To some people, that level of darkness doesn't fit their palette. And it doesn't seem to work for them. And that's okay. And that's fine. But it's exactly what I wanted to hear. Yeah, me too. It's exactly what I was kind of hoping and, to hear. John, they're also saying that this is a detective thriller. This is yes. an actual detective yeah. mystery, which is another thing that a lot of Batman fans, myself included, I want to see the Dark Knight detective. That's yeah. kind of what we're getting. I mean, that's the coolest part. I know it's different, but the Arkham games, that's what's so cool about them, is going into detective mode and feeling like you're solving things and doing that aspect. Not just smashing stuff, which is fun too, but that he's supposed to be the world's greatest detective. I want to see that. 
I've been hearing a lot of people also saying this is true, going to the detective aspect, that this is the 90s style <clears throat> serial killer thriller. Right. Where you've got your detective on the case trying to stop this madman and whatever. And I'm eating that up because that is, look, Ben Affleck is my favorite iteration of Batman so far. Obviously, I love the Christopher Nolan films and all that kind of stuff. But the one aspect of the Batman that we have kind of overlooked a lot in all the iterations has truly been, I mean, honestly, the Adam West Batman is the one that did the detective aspect of Batman best. Yep. Right. We really haven't <laughs> leaned into it all to the, as Rajal Ghul calls him, detective. We haven't really gone into that. And the fact that they didn't just promise that this new Batman would be leaning into the detective aspect, it sounded like they actually deliver on it. And I love that. So if it can be that dark and be a serial killer detective film and have the level of visceral action that we've seen teased to us in the trailers, by the way, all the they're all saying that the action is top notch. If you can deliver all that, fuck! I'm yeah. so excited. This, this Batman is like the way I always thought Batman should be. It should always be dark just because like the Batman animated series compared to like all the other like Saturday morning cartoons was really, really like dark. There was yeah. Yeah. comparatively, you know what I mean? So, so this is the way I want Batman to be like really dark. Um, Gotham looks like it's the scariest city from the trailers to, to live in. It's just, um, and Matt Reeves, what he did with a uh, planet of the apes. I really like what he did there. So oh, he did such yeah. a good job with that. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for it now too, after seeing these reviews. Okay. So right now we are at, 121 reviews in 100 that's a lot for this time of day uh considering it the review embargo has only been lifted to two hours i expect this is gonna be well over 200 probably by like three or four o'clock today but right now 121 reviews we're sitting at 91 percent, and this is about where i expected it to be i expect this movie to be hover around anywhere between the 87 to 94 percent range mm -hmm. because of specific we talked about this a few weeks ago because of the heavy aspect of this film because of the obvious darkness that is in the film this is not going to be nor was it designed to be a movie that was going to be for everybody yeah and so i expect there's going to be some critics and some people who watch it that go when they see how much into that darkness level the visceralness of it all that kind of stuff the fact that it's not a flash bang boom comic book movie that we've kind of come to expect from our comic book fair I think there's going to be a lot of people that this isn't their cup of tea and isn't going to work for them. It, so this it, 91 rating is going to go up and down a bit. I expect it to come in that 80, 85, 86, 87% range to about 94, 95. It's a good change of pace coming from No Way Home. Yes. From No Way Home to this. Yes. It's, 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 it, to like see something like No Way Home in a Batman, like no, it wouldn't work. So like, yeah, it's a good change of pace. Like I, we need, well, I need this to be honest, not the three hours. But <laughs> I do you need, need the darkness in your soul to be yeah, writ large I, on the big screen. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm right there with you, buddy. And also his his costume, when we were watching Batman Begins, there is this part where he's talking to the kid in the alley, right? Yes. And you see King a full Joffrey on, of Game yeah, of Thrones. Yeah. You see a full on straight shot, and that was my biggest gripe. I was like, his suit kind of looks horrible to me now. Especially the just the cow part. Right. The cow part, because it was just so round and eggy. Like from the minute I saw when I when I saw this suit, I was like, that looks very functional and looks great. Yes, too. It looks tactical, like the chisel, you know, 
uh, credit to Robert Pattinson for staying in shape. The chiseled square jaw, you know, he looks good. I can't wait. Somebody in, I, I, I've lost it already, but somebody in the live chat said, this looks like the seven of comic book movies. Yep. That's what and, saying, and, yeah. I'm like, that's, yes, that's exactly what it kind of feels like. But is that a good thing? Yes. I think so. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, I love the idea that they talk a lot about, in, in a lot of the reviews, the city aspect. Like, they really look at Gotham as an entity from many different angles, from Falcone's angle, from Commissioner Gordon's angle, from Batman's angle, from Catwoman's angle. And we're really getting, this is a meal of a movie. Yeah. I mean, this is a big, big movie that has a lot to say about the current times we're living in. I mean, what's interesting is when you say, this isn't the movie that we deserve or we, that we should have in these kind of times. And I'm like, mm, really? Because these kind of times maybe need something like this to kick yeah. us out of our complacency and be like, do better, people. I agree. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. The reviews are now coming out for the Batman. They just jumped up to 92%. I, I expect this is roughly where it's going to end up. Question is for you guys. What do you think now that the reviews are out? We heard the first reactions were pretty high. The reviews also seem to be pretty high. Is that what you were looking forward to? Is this type of things we're hearing about just how gritty and dark it is? Are you surprised? Is it right where you thought it would be? Where are your expectations like for this movie right now? Today is Batman Eve. Are you going to go see those advanced screenings tomorrow night? I know we are. By the way, guys, don't forget. Tomorrow night, we will be posting, the four of us are going to be going to see this movie tomorrow, and we will be posting our right out of the theater reaction to it. Uh, and hopefully more of us will like it than we did for Uncharted when we walked out of Uncharted. Anyway, guys, whatever you guys are thinking about this whole thing with the Batman reviews, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Hey, guys, we want to take a second and thank one of the sponsors of today's videos, Wondery's podcast, Badlands. Most of us have accepted that celebrities and stars live by a different set of rules, uh, more relaxed rules. At times, they even seem to get away with murder, and some literally do. On the Badlands podcast, listen to the real-life stories of A-listers whose crimes and career lows are as unbelievable as some of their film's plot twists. On this season, they look at Heath Ledger's spiral into darkness and his final days. They'll also cover Brittany Murphy's mysterious, unusual death and Jack Nicholson's proclivity to fits of rage. Also, did you know that America's dad, Tim Allen, the man who played Santa Claus, he got his comedy start in a Minnesota prison. For all that and more, listen to Badlands, a true crime podcast that dives deep into the stories of the famous at their most infamous. You guys know I love stories, but I also love the stories behind the stories and and that's why you guys should listen to this. You're going to love Badlands. Get new episodes every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts, or binge all of season three ad-free right now, only on Amazon Music. And a big thank you to Badlands for being a sponsor of today's episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with all that down, let's now take the rest of our day hearing from you and what you guys have been firing in the live comments and questions. Let's see what you guys have to say, shall we? Chris, what do we got going on in there? Kicking things off is Steely Smith. Got my ticket for Batman tomorrow. Yes. I was originally going to see it Friday, but who cares? Spend the 30. <laughs> Man, time flies. Been two years since I found the John Campia show. Thanks for all the positive and such dark times. Aw, uh, thank you so much for that, Steel Smith. Appreciate that very much. And uh, yeah, I mean, th these tickets weren't cheap. Mm -mm. They're not cheap. And I will pay it every day. <laughs> I'll pay it every day. To see this thing uh, when we're seeing it tomorrow. Very excited for it. I hope you have a great time at Steel. And thanks for being along with us for two years, man. It's good to have you here. Thanks for being part of our community, dude. All right, what's next? From Anish. 
John, thanks for the amount of content you put out. I almost don't have time for anything else. <laughs> Great problem to have. Please keep it going. Yeah, it, it is kind of nutty. Uh, I, I When I realize, when you sit down, you realize how many hours of content we put out every week. I mean, just the John Campy show alone is 13 to 14 hours of content. Then when you mix in the mailbags, then now you're suddenly up to about 17, 18 hours of content. Then you work in... Um, you know, any kind of bonus features. Then you work at Movie, Movie Club. Club. Yeah, you're, we're, we're looking at, we broadcast about 20 hours of content a week probably. And so, but you know, we, we love what we do. We love our community. We love being a part of it. So thank you for being a part of it. And we appreciate that. All right, what's next? Raymond Reddington, DDD. I'm not quite sure what that means, but I'm sure if anybody in the Super Chat knows the cryptic message of it, go ahead. By the way, I'm all caught up on, uh, on uh, the blacklist now. The show still works without the female lead. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, it just goes to prove that that the, really he was kind of the Batman. I loved her. She was great. But, I mean, the show still works for me. All right, what's next? Cutter Hale. Can't wait for tomorrow night. I also bought tickets to see it a second time Thursday night, and I just bought a new Batman shirt. Nice. This movie is going to be awesome. Can't wait for the big surprises. Yeah, listen, uh, we've got, right now, I'm, I'm falling behind a bit. I've only got two showings lined up. <laughs> I've got I've got the showing for tomorrow, and then we've got our fan screening on Friday, and those are the only two I've got. I sh I got to get on on it. I got to pick up a couple more sets of tickets. I think because I only got the two. Anyway, Cutter, cannot wait for us all to see it. I cannot wait for you to see it. I hope you have a great time, man. And we'll talk about it all. Well, obviously we're going to do a big open spoiler discussion uh, next Sunday. Probably Sunday is when we're going to do it. So uh, I'm looking forward to that big open spoiler discussion. I cannot wait. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher, one of two. I saw a meme of Robert Pattinson that said, this guy is playing Batman with a pic of Edward from Twilight and then said, no, this guy is with pics from him in Lighthouse, Tenet, Good Time, High Life, The Lost City of Z and The Rover. Love I it. So brilliantly well said, Sam. Because that, I mean, look, the reality, it is still a very real, we joke about it around here, but there is a very large chunk of people who still see Robert Pattinson as Twilight, boy. That's how they see him. And, Again, for the people who did not see The Lost City or The Rover or High Life or Good Time or whatever, for people who never saw that, I get it. But you know what's funny, John? No one ever complains about, they don't They don't look at, like, was he good as Edward? It's just like, oh, he played a sparkly vampire in a romantic story. A so people don't like him. Because of, I mean, yeah. I would say that he actually was good as Edward Cullen. Cullen, right? Yeah. It's Edward Cullen. Mm -hmm. That he was good in that role. Just because he played a sparkly vampire, he just that wasn't his doing. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why there were four of those movies and he became a worldwide star. And don't forget his little appearance in Harry Potter as well. But but yeah. but again, I get it for a lot of people out there who don't watch anything other than the bigger, the bigger, bigger, high profile wide release films. And that's a lot of the, the average film going audience does that. They don't know. But then you got to listen to the people who have seen all those other movies exactly. and are telling you, guys, he ain't the sparkly vampire. You just wait. Just you wait. All right, what's next? Andy, one of four. Congrats on hitting 50, John. Thank you. I'm turning 27 tomorrow. Oh, you baby. As I enjoy what's left of my 20s and prepare for my 30s, do you have any advice on what to look forward to and be on the lookout for i just know that when you hit 30 you want to sleep more from what i'm told also i got a four thousand dollar bonus at 
work. And it made me think of the conversation that you and Rob had a few days ago about what hot toys you would buy if you had 4K yeah. to start. <laughs> yeah, all I was right. looking for hot toys. I wanted one after the other and realized that I had fallen into the trap you warned about before I even started buying one. I mean, it's true, man. That's the danger with hot toys. The moment you start buying them, it's very, very tough to stop buying them. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very tough thing. I, look, my big advice I, I would give going into your 30s is understand this. Um, I didn't go back to school to study law until I was in my 30s. Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't start the movie blog until I was in my 30s. When I started my first online movie thing, the movie blog way back in the day, I was in my thirties. There's a lot of people. I, I remember once Rob, we had somebody write in might've been a year ago, two years ago saying, Oh man, you know, I, I realized I made a mistake with my career path and I'm 28 now. And I feel like it's too late to change directions. And both you and I were like, no man, <laughs> like, no, like I, I changed my life. And listen, you can do that in your forties. You can do that in your fifties. We were just talking the other day about this guy. This super famous dude who just didn't to get into the field that he was in until he was like 47 years old. It's always be looking forward. Oh, don't think that wherever you are when you turn 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 for that matter, that that's where you need to be now. It's not. You can make any change of direction you want, go anywhere you want, do whatever you want to do. As far as that, as far as that uh, $4,000 go, I don't know. See if it drops a little bit lower and then buy a fraction of a Bitcoin and see where that goes. Or <laughs> I don't know, but enjoy that. Rob, you got any advice for him? Look, I would say that uh, uh, my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, I had a blast. I mean, I didn't travel to Europe until I was in my 30s. And my I spent my 30s traveling around the world have, with work, and it was amazing. And I, I, this idea that it's weird because we hear more and more from young people who are like, well, I'm 27 now. I'm over the hill. I want to sleep more. No, you don't. Live. Just dream up stuff and go do it. Because nowadays it's easier to accomplish anything you want than ever before. With with the kind of tools that we have, you can develop your talents. Don't just just go live, man. Go have exciting times. Go have fun. Work your ass off. Meet the kind of people you want to meet. And, and do what you want to do, man. And do what you want to do. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. What's next? Al Renshaw. Morbius trailer was average. Oh, at wait best. a second. Are we at Collins E? We can be. Sure, let's try that for now. Colin Z, it appears Uncharted will make enough money to justify a sequel. Uh, yeah, look, again, we, we talked about this when the thing came out. They initially projected like $30 million its opening weekend, and we said that's good enough for number one at the box office, but it's not enough. If they can get into the $50 million range, then we're talking. And what did it do? It came out in the $50 million range. You're definitely going to see this thing get a sequel. They made this thing in the first place with the intention of it being a franchise. And it did well enough. And um, and let's hope they do another one and do it even better than the first. All right, what's next? Uh, Luke Batman 0707. Hi, John and crew. I hope you guys are very pumped and excited for the Batman. Nah. Do you guys have any theories on <laughs> what could happen in the actual movie? Don't really care about theories. Uh, like the one thing that I will say that we've talked about before is that I suspect we are going to find out that Riddler and Bruce are connected either by blood relation or whatever. Either that Bruce wasn't really a Wayne or that uh, I can't remember what they changed Riddler's name to. It's no longer Edward Nigma. It's now something else. But that 
he is actually a discarded Wayne child or something like that. So there could be a familial kind of connection there, but that's the only thing I got. And I don't care if they do that or not. Speculation is great. Just don't let it turn into expectation. I have no expectations. Rob, what about you? No, I mean, I've uh, the re reviews are out. So I think we have, I mean, I've read a lot of them so far. So I think we have a pretty, I pretty good idea of what we're going to get. Um, I think what we're getting is going to be a film noir that harks back to the 40s by way of the 70s. And I'm just like, I'm over the moon. We're getting something new and different, something that's adult, something that's intelligent, something that has uh, a lot to say about the times we live in. I think even if it wasn't a Batman movie, I think it's still going to be a, a great film. So, Okay, what's next? BJ, have any of you seen or even heard of the 1984 movie Yellowbeard? I, okay, it sounds familiar. I don't recall that though. Yeah, I, I, I don't recall that. Anyway, sorry about that. What's next? Josh Benang, one of two. Hi all, with Chapek's trajectory, how probable do you think we'll see creatives leave Disney? How soon? Or is Disney too good to leave? Um, ba, 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 ba. I don't see a second one. Okay. You gotta give me, oh, though, there it is. Oh, folks at Pixar seem to ha be at wit's end and could probably have their pick of a new studio just like Gunn. Who's next, Feige? Okay, so here's the thing. I have said this before, and I will say it again. When massive shifts happened, like Iger to Chapek, you do not feel the effects of it right away. You don't see the real effects of it right away now i forgot the actual number but if the sun were to explode right now like this second we wouldn't even know it for a few hours we would just look up at the sky and it'll look like this light travels at a certain speed we wouldn't know for hours something along those lines eight minutes takes light to get <laughs> Was, from the is sun it eight Earth. minutes but we, if the sun exploded we wouldn't feel it for quite some time right so it's like that when you have this tectonic shift in something like this like when um when something like this happens, you don't feel it. So Bob Chapek takes over, does some really dumb things as far as his organizational structure and all this kind of stuff. And I've said this from the beginning. I said, you're not going to feel what the actual overall effects of this are going to be for maybe a few years, but we're going to feel them. And I think what you're saying here is exactly what it is that I am afraid of. When you clearly show that you have no consideration for creatives, he's basically came in, demoted all the creative people, took power away from the creatives, handed it to his bankers, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for now, it's your Disney gig. It's Disney. It's Pixar. It's Lucasfilm. It's Marvel. Eventually, that is going to catch up to you. And eventually, they're going to be up-and-coming creatives who see an option to go to Disney or to go and work for Universal. And they're going to choose Universal. They're going to be upcoming creative executives who have the option to work for Disney or work over at Warner Brothers under their new ownership with Discovery. And they're going to choose Warner Brothers. And then you're going to start to get some of these creatives who are at Disney who are going to start realizing, you know what? As a creative, the grass is greener elsewhere. And they're going to start to leave. It ain't going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in the next six months. But it is going to start to happen as the effects of Chapek's decisions really start to take root. And by the way, it's not too late. It's not too late for Chapek to take a look at the landscape and go, you know what? I had this vision, but it's clearly meeting a lot of resistance from people. 
Maybe it's time for me to reevaluate that vision and change course. It is not too late, but if it goes unchecked, yes, I believe you're totally going to see these creative people leave. I really, really do. Unfortunately, uh, but I do. All right. Where are we at next? I kind of lost my Now Al Renshaw is what I have on my screen. Where Let me see at? if I can find Al Renshaw. There we there go. There we go. Okay. All right. Morbius trailer was average as best. I disagree. I thought it was quite good, but if it hit you in that way, uh, Al, it hit you in that way. That's totally cool. All right. What's next? Andrew Poor. Hey, John and crew. Got my tickets to the Batman tomorrow. Couldn't nice. be more excited. I mean, again, this, this is such a brilliant piece of marketing by Warner Brothers to do this five days early, advanced special fan screening across the country. Because you are going to get, first of all, it shows that they're incredibly confident in this movie. Because the last thing they wanted is 80,000 fans across the country to see it and to start spreading the word that the movie's crap. So you knew they had confidence in it. But now they are going to have 80 to 100,000 ravenous fans across the country screaming about this movie for a week leading up. It, it was a brilliant, it was a stroke of brilliance, Rob. Totally struggle. Uh, I think it is too. And the fact that they waited for this embargo, they they <laughs> look, they planned this embargo the to so it dropped the day before the fan screenings go out because they knew the word of mouth would would if we needed something to push us even further, to the timing is incredible. It's gonna be a one-two punch. A one-two punch of momentum they're gonna get here. All right, what's next? Suthius, just watched a movie that totally broke me and in my opinion was terrifying. Never been so emotionally never been so emotional watching something on screen. Being a husband, father, I can't imagine ever going through the events in Greenland. <laughs> Greenland was not the movie I thought it was going to be. Nope. I but mean, I it, it was it. in one sense, but it was a much deeper movie than I was expecting. And especially when you get into that last scene as they're in the bunkers and just waiting for the thing to hit. I mean, it was a powerful story about a man and his family. I mean, it does what, it does what the best movies do. They take like this incredible circumstance, but they still keep it about the characters. Yep. Right, Ray, did you end up seeing Greenland? Oh, yeah, like I loved kind it. Of, oh, I thought I you would. Yeah. yeah, man, the we world talked exploded. About it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean the the kid with his, uh, he was diabetic, right? He needed, what was, yeah, he needed insulin. Yeah. He needed right. insulin, just like the, the, just the struggle he was going through. You felt it throughout the film, like trying to get them to safety and, uh, you know, just um, and then dealing with the friends, the neighbors, when he, uh, his family was able to get into the safe zone or whatever and not them. It was just really uh, it was just a really good film. No, it was good. All right. What's next? Sam Fisher, one of three. Saw Godfather in theaters this weekend. Nice. Really liked it. Had no idea it was nearly three hours, though. I honestly didn't really know the plot of the movie. I thought either the wedding was used as a framing device and all the other scenes were vignettes of the favors or one of the favors asked that the wedding leads to all these consequences. That wasn't what happened though. No, it was really what the opening of that wasn't so much setting plot. It was setting character. And not only did it set character, that opening wedding scene with Talia Shriver's marriage and stuff like that, it set the tone of what this world is. It did such a great job of introducing the characters, of introducing the world, of understanding Vito Corleone's role in the world that he was in. That wasn't the setup of the ultimate story of the movie. It was the setup of the context from which the story then unfolded. And again, just one of the parts of the brilliance of Francis Ford Coppola in that. And I know a lot of you guys are saying it's going to be your first time watching Godfather this week. Well, I think, Go you know, for it. what's really interesting to me, John, is that people are going to see The Godfather. The Godfather, and according to reviews, this, this, the Batman are similar. 
in the sense that they're telling stories that use framing devices to explore the relationships between tr people, the relationships between criminality and the establishment. There's a lot more going on than just a mobster movie. And I think that there's a lot more going on in The Batman than just being a movie about The Batman. They're examining a lot of things going on, so I can't wait to see it. All right, what's next? Dante Serechia. Much like all the girls were ready for Twilight, my body is ready for the Batman. <laughs> Bring on the bat filthy. Thank you all so much. Love you guys. I mean, listen, and it, hey, it's not just us guys. Guys oh, are crazy. Can't wait for the Batman. <clears throat> girls are crazy. Can't wait for the Batman. Everybody's waiting for the Batman. I cannot wait. You know, somebody was asking a little bit earlier what our opening weekend expectations are. And I think the better time to guess what the opening weekend will be is after tomorrow. When we start to see the legions of people who are going to watch the Batman tomorrow to see what they're saying online and then start to take the temperature online of what every, how everybody's reacting to what people are hearing. So I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to come in about 150. I know that's high. I know that's real high, but I'm, I'm going to still come in about 150. Where are you guys guessing uh, right now? I think that's pretty good. Plus, it's three hours long. And this movie, you know, people aren't going to come out of it and go, wow, that was fun. <laughs> they're going to come out of it and they're going to yeah. be, wow. Oh, you it's going to be shell-shocked. Just Yeah. yeah. Re -evaluate. I know that Ray's not going to turn around and walk back into the theater again for another three hours. Uh, yeah. We're going to have to pick Ray up. <laughs> I'm going to have to have one of those seats that are right at the side, you know, just so I could, like, make it in and out of the theater. <laughs> I mean, uh, come on, man. I mean, we all have to pee. I mean, yeah. no, no one's thought about that because that. Oh no, there's oh, yeah. there's gonna be a lot of people peeing. I'm missing in this. a lot like, of this. Movie. Dude, just drain yeah. the main vein first. No, no, no a, a peeing. I've like, got a hummingbird bladder. I can't sit through a three-hour. No, movie especially without if you peeing. go like even I like because I always get the big large soda. Me too. Um, and so I, even though if I, if I go to the bathroom right before a movie starts. Once in a while, I've made it through a three-hour movie, but even I am like, I can't make it the full three hours. Like, at some point, I'm going to have to get up and probably run out. Unless I just don't drink a huge thing of soda, but I'm going to because that's what I do at the movies. So, or drink spirits like whiskey. Or empty, yeah. dehydrate you. Get an extra empty uh, popcorn bucket. Or an empty two-liter bottle of Coke yeah, like I used to do when I was too. playing Warcraft. If y'all pee next to me, no, movie, you didn't I swear do that. to God. <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> All right. What's next? King J underscore two. Can't wait to see the Batman tomorrow at 7 p.m. Hope you guys enjoy it. That's exactly when we're seeing it. 7 p.m. tomorrow. All of us across the world, King J. I hope you have a great time too, man. All right. What's next? Anish, uh, part one of two. Rob, you missed my second Super Chat question on your show last night. You know what? Somebody told me that. Uh, <gasps> I got three, actually three people. Anish, tonight. Oh, no. Join me tonight. You'll be first up. Okay. So you sent the I first know. two super chats on the show. Um, no worries, though. My grandma also has a hard time with the internet. Oh, no. shame. Damn. Damn. In all seriousness, shame. I'm grateful you guys have a show where you let fans participate in the convo. Maybe not for much longer, Anish. Woo. Okay, I mean, look. Uh, look <laughs> no, no, it's a, you know what? If people send in generous super chats like Anish does, mm. he's, he's, he's got a point there. And, you know, sometimes when you look on stream elements, something doesn't pop up, but they was. Oh, yeah. And so I I was made aware of that because it was early on in the show before I started answering questions. Can I so. let me just throw this in there, too. There are things that sound like they're simple. And people think it's simple because I make it look simple. But believe me, when I tell you, you try doing a show live like you were doing last night 
where you are controlling the camera shots, the audio, you're trying to read what people are asking, and you are trying also to dedicate at least 95% of your brain power to thinking through what people it is are asking you. Right. And it's, you've got this scrolly thing constantly yeah. going, uh, yeah. and you're trying to keep track of everything. That doesn't always sync up on different computers. Doesn't always sync up. Yeah. And people, and I get it. I do. I get it because people don't do what we do. So you look at it, they think, well, how hard is it just to keep track? I, I get it. I'm not mad because you asked that because I get it. But all I'm saying is consider that you don't have to do it. And it is harder than you think. And once in a while, I mean, it sucks. Once in a while, a question gets overlooked or, or something like that. And we always feel terrible when that happens. But, but we go back. I mean, sometimes. But it ain't it, easy. That's all I'm but saying. But we do go back. And I have to say, I do appreciate Anisha's. Uh, he's been participating a lot and good questions. He has good comments, too. So that's always a benefit. That's awesome. All right. What's next? Chris M. Chris spelled correctly. Good job, you. Went and saw Uncharted this past weekend and enjoyed it. The highlight of my experience, though, was impressing my friends with your butter through the straw technique on my popcorn. Genius, <laughs> it, John. You know, there are sometimes little ideas that can change the world and make the world a better place. <laughs> Getting even distribution of the glorious buttery goodness throughout the various levels of the popcorn bag it's the kind of thing that brings more joy and when there's more joy the world is a better place did i just say that i made the world a better place yes i did i made the world a better place so use humble. that use that technique and spread the joy. All right, what's next? <laughs> Mr. Hank Dunn, although I'm pumped for the Batman, I really hope this is the last time we get realistic Batman. I disagree. Why? The whole nature of Batman is he is a man with no superpowers. If there's ever meant to be a Batman that is, if there's ever meant to be a superhero, that is the more realistic. It's the Batman. And I kind of listen, we, we've had decades of the freaking cartoons of Batman fighting Darkseid and Batman fighting the ghosts and Batman fighting vampires. And it's like, and hey, great, no, no shade. But is it too much to ask that once in a while, when we're peppered with decades of that stuff, mm -hmm. that, hey, let's get a Batman that feels like Batman is a legitimate career option. Like this is something I wish my guidance counselor had, had, had told me about. <laughs> Is it too much to ask? I don't know, Rob, what do you think about that? Do we need to get more fantastic with Batman or should we stay more grounded? No, I mean, I think, oh, look, I've wanted to see the ultimate grounded Batman for a long time. And remember, John, if this Batman isn't your taste, we're getting Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck and The Flash and Flashpoint and whatever else later this year. So we're going to get two great tastes that taste great together. All right. What's next? Harv's K. Seeing 2001 Space Odyssey in IMAX was my favorite favorite movie experience last year. That's awesome. This year may well have been seeing The Godfather in Dolby Cinema. Glorious. Nice. Yeah, I mean, look, you're talking about watching the pillars of movies. Like, what, what I love about movies like The Godfather is that when people watch them for the first time, and they instantly, all of a sudden, it's like in a movie when they take a drug that expands their minds... It's like when somebody watches Godfather, I was like, you can see it. When that moment they realized, holy crap, almost every movie I've ever watched has been directly influenced by this movie. Space 2001 is one of those movies. Godfather might be the most prevalent of those. The original Star Wars is absolutely one of those. So I love, what other movies do you think there are, Rob, that like are those kind of like pillar movies that the entire industry's kind of been built Blade on? Runner. 
I mean, hey, yeah, I'm not it, a Blade Runner fan, but you're right. In terms of the look and the aesthetic, I mean, we're seeing it. We're still seeing Blade Runner. Uh, you know, what was really big in the '80s was the Road Warrior. There are so many ripoffs of the Road Warrior and different Road Warrior esque kind of movies. Road Warrior and Escape from New York kind now, of just to inspired. Be clear, you're not talking about Hawk and Animal, right? No, 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 not the Road Warriors. Okay, oh got yeah, it. not the Road. Okay. War- no, the got it. No, okay. want to make sure. No, but yeah, I mean, I think those and you know, in the nineties, Seven became a very influential movie. Uh, another uh, Forty Eight Hours, the buddy cop movie, inspiring things from you know Midnight Run to c- countless other Tango and Cash. All of that can be charted back to Forty Eight Hours. All right, what's next? Kevin Cow, the Batman tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday, locked in. That you got Whoa. a good week planned ahead of yourself, Kevin. I hope you, man. Like as Ray would say, I just hope the movie's good so you can enjoy <laughs> all three screens. That's nine hours of goodness, Kevin. All right, what's next? From Kevin Joyce, one of two. Beyond just differentiating the title from previous Batman films, I love what they're going for when they call this the Batman. He's not a person with a name. Oh, there we go. He's a creature of the night, a myth, an urban legend that criminals give a singular title out of fearful respect, like the boogeyman. I I agree because, and also, when you go into a lot of media, that's how he's referred to as Mm -hmm. the Batman. I love that. I don't know how I can get person to call me the John. Actually, that doesn't work. That that has different connotations altogether. Don't have yourself called the John. That's not a good thing. No, that one does not work at all. That's a different thing, man. I had to think that one through. I'll go with the Giovanni. That's so better. Go with yes. the yeah. Giovanni or the Jesus, as they did in uh, uh, with the dude. But it's true. This is, and by the way, that's why I kind of still like the name Indy. They're kind of just going with the name that 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 he's known oh. by. But yeah, I agree. Give I, us I an elegant name: cool. Indiana Jones and the Ocarina of Time. Whatever. I don't know. Do, something. Do, 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 do. I know, All right? right? <laughs> What's next? Raymond Reddington. Oh, did the... we get a Sam Fisher one? Oh no, thank you, Sam Fisher. I think my favorite scene was. Uh, the hospital ambush because it seemed to be the only scene I didn't know through pop culture osmosis. Yeah, that's one of the more unknown scenes, which is kind of, kind of, and by the way, oh my God, the tension as Michael realizes something's going on and he's trying to get on the phone and like move. I mean, that just the tension that scene is so bloody good. All right, what's next? Now, Sam Fisher. All right, now Raymond Reddington. Redding, uh, regarding Batman being 15 in UK, BBFC, which rates films, are very harsh. First Suicide Squad was rated 15, and now Doc Strange 2 trailer was rated a 15. The do- oh, I didn't know they rated trailers. Yeah. Yeah, again, it, it's a fascinating thing to me when you look at it because, again, 15 is equivalent, actually in many ways is harsher than an R rating in the United States. Because with an R rating, yes, the age line is 18, but it doesn't matter. All an R rating says in the United States is, hey, if you're under this age, you can still come in and see the movie if you come in with an adult. A 12-year-old can go in and watch Deadpool if they're being brought by their older cousin. Yeah. In the UK, the 15, yes, that's a lower age, but it's, no, no, you can't come in, period. It doesn't matter if your mommy brings you, if your daddy brings you, you cannot come in and watch this. And... It is kind of funny to see that here. We get a PG-13. Over there, it's getting a 15. And I, 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 I'm I, fascinated by the differences in there. Anyway, what's next? All right. By the way, Raymond sent in like a $20 Super Chat to yeah. sports. Thank you, Raymond. Appreciate that. All right, what's next? Gary Meyer, you beat me to it, John. Happy 5-0. Anyways, have you seen tra- a teaser trailer for Bullet Train? I'll tell you what. They showed, us the, the, they showed us the trailer for that months ago at CinemaCon. And it looks great. Did you see the full trailer? Yeah. I'm dying because they have that little 
ad about the did you see the promo that came out for I it? I did not. No, no, no. So it's like it's an ad. It's like a commercial, but it's Brad Pitt's voice yep. talking about the, the the promise of the bullet train. It goes faster than anywhere, blah, blah, blah. And then after the it's over, it's just a shot of Brad Pitt's bloody face as he's just sitting in the a chair on the bullet train, and that's the end. It's like a 30-second. I think Promo. this movie looks like a lot of fun. I want to see the trailer. I'm dying to see this. It and reminds way, me of um, Smoking Aces. Um, when all the, the, the assassins come after yeah. one another. I mean, Maybe I really liked that movie. Whatever happened to Jerry Piven, by the way? Seeing mm -hmm. Smoking Aces. Anyway, the, <laughs> I, by the way, CinemaCon is coming up again. The real CinemaCon is coming up. And I'm very, very excited. I cannot wait for that, actually, a lot. All right, what's next? KH, who sends in a $300 super chat. Wow. What? Uh, I don't even know gracious. what to say when somebody... Um, KH, thank you, man. Uh, that's incredibly generous. Thank you for supporting us on that level. That is, that's, I'll, I'll take it as a birthday gift, KH. Yeah. I'll take, thank you for supporting us so much on that level. All right, what does mm -hmm. KH and have to say? And continuing to support us on that level because they've been that's donating amazing. a lot. Uh, following on Friday's Super Chat, yes, I am a surgeon and I work with kids. You dreamboat. Oh. <laughs> so I try to keep up on all the latest movies. You guys have made it easier for me to put a smile on kids' faces. Love the show and have recommended it to some colleagues. Keep doing what you do. Hey, Chris. Just kidding, Logan. Hey, KH. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Let, let's get that. I, I love that we get to be conduits, I guess, for spreading the joy of what movies and storytelling do. But let's be clear, it's the movies and the storytelling that does it. We're, we're just, we just happen to be conduits on YouTube to help, hey, let's facilitate this discussion. Let's all talk about these things we love and gives us so much joy and gives us so much happiness. And, um, you know, it's always what I want to be a part of. That doesn't mean I, I love everything that's online or everything that happens or every movie I see. Obviously not. But I tend to like to focus on the things I love. And I think there's something about being able to do that and just be somebody else who talks about this stuff that it becomes infectious. Joy is as contagious as anything. And when I, when I get together with groups of people and they are geeking out and having fun over something, that joy becomes contagious on me. And I hope that our show becomes that for other people as well. That when we are excited about something and we love something that we see and whatever, we kind of hope that that joy becomes contagious as well to other people. And it's always amazing to me when we hear from people from all different walks of life that have written in. I actually, I got this email yesterday uh, from a guy who has been through like the last two and a half years have been one gut punch after another for this guy. But he was writing to me and says, this happened, you know, lost this relationship, but the, the John Cabe show was there. My, because of COVID, my business went under and I had to go back to a nine to five job, but the John Cabe show was there. And, you know, just being able to find out that we get to be that is in incredibly gratifying. I, I just don't know what, how else to put it. And Rob, I know you get a lot of these emails too as Dude, well. Dude, speaking of, I, I heard yesterday I got a letter from a 16-year-old kid named Noah who lives in Utah, aspiring filmmaker. He's made two short films. And he wrote in that he was kind of feeling a little depressed because his friends, his family, his community was sort of rejecting his movies because of the subject matter. Because he came from a Mormon community and he, he asked, what should he do? And I, I felt 
I felt so touched by the fact that somebody like that could reach out. First of all, incredibly well-written letter. He's obviously a very intelligent person that's going to go places. But it meant a lot to me and I think to the community that somebody would write in and share those thoughts and ask for advice and and come to us. And sometimes you think, well, these guys are just doing a movie review show and a, a, entertainment news. But we're building a community here. You know, we have people that can write in and interact with us and talk to us. And it's nice to know that people are inspired because, I mean, look, all of us, we're having a lot of fun doing this. Mm -hmm. It's not like there's a lot of people that don't get to have nearly as much fun as we do. And if people can feel that and we can inspire and, and hopefully have people seek out these things and find the joy in their own lives, isn't that what we're here for? And not- by the way, I, I want to throw this out there, too, is uh, thank you for being a surgeon. Because yeah. I often say when I hear about the, the the dollars that sometimes actors make, and hey, listen, you you don't get what you deserve. You get what somebody's willing to pay you. And if you're a movie star and somebody's willing to pay you a check for $20 million to be in their movie and work two months, God bless. That's great. But I've often said, I've said this before many times on my show, and I've gotten into trouble for it too. I said, unless the letters DR are in front of your name, you should not be making $20 million a year. Unless somebody gets to call you in the middle of the night that you need to come in and make it so this kid in a motorcycle accident will be able to walk again tomorrow. You're the guy who should be making $20 million a year. Well, anyway, especially with kids too. Especially with kids. That's so dude, gotta be seriously, rough sometimes. thank you for doing what you're doing and uh, the contributions you're making to the world. Thanks for being here and, and contributing and supporting our show, man. It means a lot to us. Thank you so much for that. All right. What's next? J-Day. Hello, John and crew. Just wanted to say thank you for providing something to look forward to every day. Happy belated birthday, John. Oh, thank you, man. And again, it's 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 our privilege and our honor to do it. And thank you guys for giving us a community that we get to come here and do this every day. No so doubt. Thank you so much for that, J-Day. Appreciate it, man. All right, what's next? Andy, so happy about the Batman reviews and reactions. Hey, listen, I'm not going to tell lie to you. A little bit of my emotional well-being was was kind of weighing in the balance there. Like I would have been, you guys know this is my number one most anticipated movie of the year. So if the reactions and the reviews have been bad, I would have been bummed down. I still would have gone see it, but you know, I feel much better seeing that they're good. Right there with you, buddy. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher. I also didn't know about Michael's first wife in Italy and thought she was a pointless character. But it's no, you, it, the character isn't the point. It's what the character represented. It was a part, that character became an integral part of what Michael's journey was to, number one, to kind of lay out why he becomes the man who he becomes. Because when you look at The Godfather, you look at Michael Corleone with where he, who he is when this movie starts and who he is by the time the ring is getting kissed and that door is closing, you have to have some significant pivotal moments that would have affected him to bring him from the war hero he is at the beginning to who he is at the end. And I think that, part of his time in Italy and losing his first wife. I think that's pivotal understanding Michael. Was it pivotal that we understand who she was? No. But a lot of times there are some of the best characters and sometimes the most important characters aren't about who they are as characters, but what they do and how they influence other characters in the movie. I think that was the key. And also the life that he was going into, the, yes. the fact that something like that could happen at a moment's notice and and how dangerous what he was doing really really could be all right i am gonna run out and uh, take a bathroom break for just a quick second but i'm gonna throw it over to you chris okay. we've got a few questions up here on screen and you guys can answer the questions till i get back <laughs> i'm in charge oh. now <laughs> wow all right from hut 359 sending in a 49.99 super chat thank you Sam Raimi in May 2020, when everyone discovers that Doctor Strange is actually Spider-Man 4, X-Men 4, Fantastic Four, 
three, <laughs> Iron Man four, What If season two, WandaVision two, Loki season one point five, and Marvel Zombies. Yeah, things just got out of hand. Though I think though there's there's a little bit of truth in that. Yeah. And I think that that we're going to see that. And it's going to be pretty cool. I mean, I was talking about how I read uh, Avengers Disassembled mm -hmm. and Wanda's storyline. If you read Avengers Disassembled, it's all there. Listen to what uh, listen to what Doctor Strange tells the Avengers about Wanda Maximoff. There's a lot in Avengers Disassembled that you should read and enjoy, because first of all, it's a great Avengers story. But it's all there where they're going with this. Nice. Comic Nicer, thank God for AMC A-List or I'd be broke with all the movies coming out this year. There's so many. There's so many good things coming out. Yeah, man. And, and uh, look what we got coming. I mean, I, I can't believe we talk about Indiana Jones. You know what I can't wait to see? Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. I can't wait to see Top Gun Maverick. I've been waiting, what, three, four, five years for That's Top Gun true. Maverick? It's been in the works for a long, long time. That's not one that's been super on my radar. I know, but it's going to be dope. John yeah. saw some of it. He saw 10 minutes of Top Gun Maverick. 10, 12, oh, whatever minutes on, they showed us in the last year. Looks so good. Mm -hmm. Looks mm -hmm. so. By the way, where did that come in from? Well, we are at Sam Fisher. You missed two. But, oh, by the way, I just, I just saw that. Hut sent in like a $50 super yeah. chat. Dude, Hut, thank you so much for supporting us on that level, man. Yeah, but he's a crime boss on Tatooine. That's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, who he was, got off? He's fine. He was talking about A-list, and I said, and I was about to say the best thing about A-list is getting in the other line at the concession stand. <laughs> yes. Hey, and I'll tell you what, they've gotten better because when I, in the first year or so that A-list was running, the problem is a lot of people jumped on it quick and they didn't prepare for it properly because the, the A-list line was just as long as the other. Sometimes I'd be in an A-list line and seeing people getting through the regular line faster. I've totally noticed they've got that fixed now. Because now when I get, even if the A-list line is as long or longer than the other line, it goes through faster. So they have really actually fixed it's that It's going to be long during the Batman, for sure. It's Yeah, we got to get there a little bit early and get our stuff. Are we going to go to the yard house before? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think we go to the yard house first. All right. What's next? Sam Fisher should wait two years for the 50th anniversary of Godfather Part 2 before seeing it in theaters or this weekend. Oh, see it as soon as possible and then go see it again. Yeah, see, it is, it, like I said, some people consider it to be the greatest film of all time. Go get that in your repertoire as soon as you can, man. Absolutely. All right, what's next? John Redcorn. I can't be too mad at Ford still playing Indiana Jones, Keaton's Batman again. And there's rumors that Vince McMahon is wrestling at WrestleMania at 76. Really? Oh my God! Vin I mean, no, listen, why? Vince Vince McMahon, for a seventy-six-year-old man, he will beat the living shit out of most twenty-year-olds. Dude, he I scares mean, me just looking at his face. Yeah, but, yeah. But all he, he does do is eat spinach, lift weights, and inject horse steroids. I mean, that's that's all this guy does. But he is he is in phenomenal shape. But I mean, yeah, listen, I'm not mad at, at him. Look, I do. Do I am I curious to see how an Indiana Jones is going to come across on screen <clears throat> who's, you know, approaching the 80s? It, I'm listen. I'm curious, but they can make it work. Look, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. After I saw Michael Keaton in the protege, it changed a lot of my perceptions because Michael Keaton not only didn't detract from the movie doing action. He added to the movie doing action. I'm like, you know what? He can still do it. And if you can still do it, you do it as long as you can. Plus, you, plus you got to give it up for that scene where, where he's fighting Maggie Q in the apartment. And they're fighting, fighting, fighting. And oh, it just God. cuts to them falling back on the bed together. Yeah. Well, oh, but, but we're talking Go about Michael. 
chair shots to the head and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't think he should be taking well, that. Well, remember, they don't do chair shots to the head anymore in wrestling. Oh, man, Vince McMahon and them like to turn it up a little bit, especially if it's WrestleMania. And you <laughs> kind of expect something when Vince is in the ring. You expect something crazy or entertaining. I don't want to see him in the ring at 76, only because of what happens after. I don't want yeah. him to be, like, just yeah. injured or, you know, like, Take a lot of, of wrestlers, knees, heart, heart problems, too. I don't want... Mm -hmm. Anything to happen to him. By the way, still one of the greatest moments in professional wrestling history is Stone Cold Steve Austin in the hospital bed, slamming Vince McMahon in the head with his, uh, what do you call the pee pan? Bedpan. 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 Hit, hitting, hitting Vince McMahon in the head with the bedpan. Oh, the bedpan. It's one of the greatest Boing. moments in professional wrestling history. All right, what's next? Chris Wharton. Happy belated 50th, John. Oh, thank you, Chris. It's crazy, but still think of you as a guy in his early 40s. But then I realized that now I'm in my early 40s with two kids and have been watching you on YouTube for almost a decade, LOL. Oh, uh, thanks so much for that, Chris. And listen, it's because I have had an unnatural longevity on YouTube that, that isn't super common, but it's because of guys like you, Chris, like we just this community of, of, of ravenous film fans that have just gotten together and I've been privileged to be a part of it for a bunch of years now. And I love that we're still here and still do. You know, I had a lot of people over the years telling me can't do this this ain't gonna work <laughs> and all oh, campus channels dying now i get that every year and here we are where are they oh sorry <laughs> a, little, a little bit of waxing nostalgic on my birthday weekend a little bit anyway this is that all right what's next sam fisher one of two you said that godfather 3 was nominated for best picture but i also know godfather 3 is thought to be bad so is it actually a decent movie that just didn't live up to the others? Or did the Academy nominate it because it's Godfather and was well-marketed? I'm gonna tell you this right now, The Godfather 3 is a really good movie. It is a really good movie. It has an aspect of it that was a mistake. And it was a mistake for Sofia Coppola to be in this movie. Well, that was that was a last minute fix because it was Winona Ryder yes. who said she was exhausted and couldn't couldn't be in the movie so Sofia Coppola by the way he had worked with his daughter in movies like Rumblefish when yeah. she was a bit played a bit character so Sofia moved in and I and I thought that that part of the the Andy uh, Garcia Sofia Coppola stuff was weak but a lot of the other stuff is really really good in Godfather 3 that scene in the priest with the priest where he confesses yep great sequence and I, there's that one of the most iconic moments in movie history comes to this one. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back. That entire sequence is great. Is incredible. It listen, is it the weakest of the Godfather movies? I think it's fair to say yes. It is the weakest. Of course. But make no mistake about it. It is a really solid movie. By the way, do you remember I think it was the first season of The Sopranos when they go out to the West Coast? And Michael, Michael Imperioli's at he, they meet some rapper, some famous rapper, like they're bankrolling or something. And, he, and the rapper's talking about Godfather Three, and he he says to himself, he's like, he's talking about the Godfather, and he gets Godfather Three, and he says, and Godfather Three, it's just been misunderstood. Yeah, speak louder, man. Yeah, speak louder. It, I do. Yeah, you you barely registered there on the oh. meter. Oh, <laughs> well, he said Godfather Three, it's just misunderstood, mm. and I loved that. I thought that was great. Yeah, it is. I, again, is it the weakest of the three? Yes, because yes, it doesn't hit the, the the mythical levels of genius and greatness of the storytelling. But the story they're telling about Michael Corleone trying to go legitimate and what happens to him at the end of the movie is It's one of the best endings. It's, it's serious. You're right. Shakespearean. The ending of that movie, I think, is 
perfect. When you go back to when Michael first shows up in, in as a war hero and all that kind of stuff, and then how, how Godfather 3 ends, it's perfect. It's a perfect ending. Anyway. So is the ending of Godfather 2 oh, as well. Oh, my God. Yeah, in the boat? Oh. All right. What's next? Andy, watch Batman and Batman Returns for the first time ever to prep for the Batman. Very weird movies, but they were clearly a product of their time. You've nailed it, Andy. That those movies are products of their time. That that is absolutely a hundred percent accurate. And yeah, so today, if you go back and watch those movies for the first time today, they will feel a little weird. But you have to understand that at the time that they came out, number one, we had never had the Batman before. Right. And it was they were trying to play for what also worked with movie audiences at the time. So yeah, I, I, if somebody told you, Rob, that they were going to go back and watch Tim Burton's first Batman and Batman two, oh. the return, what would you say to them to kind of prep them for it a little bit? I would say that, look, if you're a big Nolan fan or even Zack Snyder's Batman fan, and you're going to go back, what you are watching is a almost like, an 18th century Grand Guignol theater in France version of the Batman, some kind of kabuki theater. It's nothing, nothing at all like what you think the Batman is. It's this gothic, horror, nightmarish, animated sort of fantastical because they, they bear no resemblance at all to the Nolan movies. And like that, our viewer said, weird. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? Beast Gaming, all of you guys on the show should do a remake of the intro to Peacemaker and use it as your new show intro or just upload it for fun. No, don't don't laugh. So I remember the first <laughs> uh -oh. time I saw, the first time I sat down and watched the first episode of Peacemaker, opening night, I fell in love with the intro immediately. I, I immediately thought this is the greatest intro to any TV show ever, and the, the, the dance and whatever. It was the greatest thing ever. And yes, my immediate thought, I turned to, to uh, Ryan, and I said, I think I need to get a book a stage somewhere where me and the cast of the show can get together and reenact this opening. And it would have been a cool thing to do, but here's the problem. You got to do it in the first 48 hours that that show comes out. Right. It's way too late. I mean, it was too late by episode two, Yep. but today it's way too late. But, uh, if I, if I thought I could have pulled it off in those first couple, in those first 72 hours, maybe we would have. All right, what's next? Denton Jamie, I just want to say happy belated birthday to John. Thank God you. Bless. Also, thank you for your show. I absolutely love it. P.S. First live show, Booyah from South Africa. Ooh, watching from South, that's, listen, I always get a kick. Never fails. I love hearing when people write in from other countries. I mean, that's where, I still remember when I was doing the movie blog and we started realizing we're getting like messages from people in other countries. And that's when we started the saying of uh, international friends, you know, greetings, right. Jason, everyone's best. Uh, like to you, like the international friends. I just movies are an international language, and it's pretty cool. Like understanding that right now, people in South Korea, India, South Africa, Italy, Canada, and the U.S., Mexico, like all of us are watching the show together. It's it's a crazy thought to me. It really is. All right, what's next? From Andy. Peacemaker versus Black Adam. Black Adam, save mom's name. Peacemaker, <laughs> why did you say that name? Black Adam, it doesn't matter what her name it is. It doesn't matter what her <laughs> name is. Listen, that's come up a lot lately about people wanting to see John Cena and Dwayne The Rock Johnson on screen, whether it's in the Fast and Furious movies or in DC Universe. <laughs> I think it might happen. 
But again, I, it's going to be a very, very short fight. Okay, what's next? <laughs> Jake C., happy belated, John. You don't look a day over 35. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, look, truth time. I lied. I'm actually 39 years old. Oh. I just want to make it look like I like I looked like... I get, look, I, I get, again, I understand. When you see something as... I don't like to use the word perfection, but let's say perfection. <laughs> as this it's only natural <laughs> you start asking questions like how why when are you going to show us your skincare routine yeah you know it's i get it i get it it all starts with the manscaped it all starts <laughs> with manscaped ladies and gentlemen that's where it starts with all right and if you use your peloton every day you use too can look under 50 and order from hello fresh <laughs> boom um but but no Adding listen synergy. it's um I, I I don't, I mean, I take a lot of pride in knowing that I'm the oldest sibling in my family. And uh, I know my mom is watching this and I'm sure if, if Heather and Sandy aren't watching this, I'm sure my mom will show it to them. Like I'm the eldest sibling in the family. I look younger than my siblings. I'm just saying, let, mom, I'll let my mom show that to my sisters and then I'll prepare to get a punch in the face. Yeah, when I, go I was going to say, yo, man, yo, <laughs> oh, I'm steering clear but, of you. Uh, uh, but I, I get people asking me like, I, honestly, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do any kind of drugs. I train regularly. I whatever. And, um, That's and not yeah, fun though. but I feel like I'm going to do yeah. like my wife was teasing me because wh what does Anne say? She said like, uh, like Anne would laugh about how she would always tell me about how like she goes me being Asian like I'm gonna look like this till I'm like 55, and then at 55 I'm gonna turn on my mom overnight just so you know right and I feel like I'm gonna that seems is gonna happen to me like probably sometime this year or next year I'm gonna age like eight years overnight something like that oh we'll see all right what's next Kevin Joyce watched Lord of the Rings for the first time in years this past weekend. Nice. I got to do that again soon. It was a blubbering mess at the end. Every time I watch those films, I'm reminded why I love movies. We are truly lucky to live in such times. I mean, it's... Dude, these are not recent movies anymore. Like, the Lord of the Rings films are now classics. Fellowship's going to be 21 years old. It's going to drink this year. <laughs> it's going to drink this year. I love that. Um, but yeah, these are now classic movies. It's, but every time you watch them, it's like when you watch movies like The Godfather, you watch movie like Lord of the Rings, you watch movie like the original Star Wars trilogy, you watch movies like Lawrence of Arabia, you watch movies like Shawshank Redemption. You see these movies and you go like, this is what the art is. This is what this is what movies can do. These this is like movies that can teleport you and take you away and merge you into a world of of possibilities and fantasy and, and like, I just love it. It's it's one of those movies and that's why it's a must rewatch every year, I think for a lot of film fans. All right, what's next? Christine Petrosian, sorry if I said your next name wrong. Uh, so excited for the Batman, my most anticipated film of the year. Yep. I'm going to the same fan screening as you guys tomorrow at the AMC Burbank Tick 16. Game day. Oh, that's awesome. It's funny. Uh, I've gotten a lot of messages from people saying, I'm going to be at the AMC Burbank 16 fan screening too. So, hey guys, for all of you, we're going to be at that exact same screening that we are. Please come up, say hi. Yeah. Uh, I act very no, shy. Not during the film, though. Yes, no, yeah. please not during the film. No pictures during the film. But I, I act real shy because I am nervous when people come up and say hi, but at, but I love it at the same time. So please, by all means, come up and say hi, and we would love to meet you guys. Have a great time, Christine. 
All right, what's next? Sal B. Good day, John and crew. I recently started showing my wife old movies that I hold dear to my heart. Nice. I enjoyed watching her love Joyride and The Cave. What are your thoughts on the two movies? Which, I mean, I know The Cave. I, I enjoy The Cave. I like that. What's Joyride? I don't know what these I are. Don't. Joyride. You know what? I have the soundtrack for Joyride, but I've never seen it. Of course you do. <laughs> it's a good soundtrack. Of I'm sure it is if you own it, but I'm, I'm not really quite sure on that one. The Cave I like quite a bit. But Joyride, and I'm going to have to go and look away. Anyway, so that's a great thing to do. I love, I got to show Anne Moulin Rouge <gasps> for so the first good. time. Do the can, can, can. I was the one who introduced Anne to Star Wars. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't relate to that. Yeah, so I mean, it was, I, that's a great fun thing to do. All right, what's next? Mickey Shuey. John, I got a chance to see The Godfather for the first time this weekend. Nice. Amazing. I also got to see Margin Call, which you recommended a couple weeks back. Holy hell, is that a good movie? Dude. Mar Margin Call, and by the way, and Mickey sent in like a $20, $20. super chat. Thank you, Mickey. Margin Call, here, it's, a, it's a very simple film, and it takes place all in one day. Really kind of one night. But it's so compelling. Like the characters are so good. They just do such a great job of it that when it's simple things like little conversations that people have in a hallway or when a boardroom meeting happens, or like these little back channel deals start getting made, or it's it's really, really great storytelling. Dude, It's if you look at Margin Call, like the end of the world, the movie is literally about an apocalypse that's about to descend on these people. Like when Jeremy Irons comes in from on high and he sits down, now, now explain it to me as if I you know, don't understand what's going on. By the way, how good is Jeremy Irons? My God. I mean, everybody in that movie, just when that, that scene when he comes in, they're sitting around the table with, you know, Kevin Spacey and Zachary Quinto and Demi Moore is in that. Simon, what's his face from TV? The Australian dude. Yep. Paul, I mean, uh, Paul, uh, uh, Vision. Uh, why am I freezing? Uh, Paul, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. Uh, Stanley, Stanley Tucci. I mean, the whole, it's all. The, Demi Moore. Yeah, it's just incredible. It's a, And you know what? That's how J.C. Chandor wrote and directed that. It's 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 a movie that shows what independent movies can be that don't cost a lot of money. Yep, it's very simple. One it happens all in one building. It's it's a great film. Check it out. I'm glad that you did, man. All right, what's next? Er's grandpa. Hi, John and Co. Glad you noticed the L-shaped sheet. He walks butt naked to the bathroom. She practically mummifies herself doing the same. Bring on the filthy. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day. That it it, it I I get why they do it, but I laugh at it every time. When a man and a woman have just had sex and they're laying in bed, the sheet magically only comes up to the guy's waist, but the woman right next to him, it easily comes right up over the boob area, right? And it's like, okay, I, I have never seen those sheets in stores because you would have at least seen them on an angle or something like that. They're gruffled up and pulled up. No, no, no. The sheet just goes right across his waist and then up just below her neck. As the L-shaped magic, magic. I just sheets. chalk it up to the fact that girls are always cold. Oh yeah, sure. You know? It's it's yeah. My Anne's always cold. She's always. I'll be laying on top of the blanket. She'll be under three blankets. So there you go. That's the explanation. All right. What's next? Joseph Sanchez. I've read like ten Batman reviews on Twitter, and a lot of them have said one of the best comic book movies ever. Cannot wait for Friday. Yeah, and again, it's not. I don't need it to be one of the best ever. I just need it to be good. Just be good, and I'll be super happy and satisfied. But I am very encouraged, Joseph. I am very encouraged by the stuff I'm seeing because I'm reading the same stuff you are, and uh, I'm super stoked. All right, what's next? Zach Taylor. Well, it's official. Ketchup does go on eggs, according to Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, well, yes. Gordon Ramsay can kiss my ass. 
by the way, I've met Gordon. Actually, incredibly personable. Like way more personable than you than you may think. I was actually on Kitchen Nightmares. Well, Ann and I got to go and do a Kitchen Nightmares thing once, and I got a chance to meet Gordon. Uh, very cool. But yeah, Gordon Ramsay can kiss my ass. If you put ketchup on eggs, F that guy. Dude, have you ever watched Gordon Ramsay on uh, Hot Ones? Oh, it's so No, good. I did not see that He's one. He's like a recurring character. He's the best <laughs> on Hot Ones. He's I've never just so mad. It, it, yeah, the way he talks, about it, it's great. All if, right, if you're right. having a bad day, watch Gordon Ramsay on Hot Ones. If you, right. you need to watch Dave Grohl's too. Oh, that just I just, just watched dropped. it just dropped this weekend. So good. It's so good. It's so pure. All <laughs> right. It was fun. Idris Elba was pretty good on too. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? Uh, Al Renshaw. Uh, this makes me think Smith is more and more likely to win an Oscar for Rich- King Richard. I loved his performance and he was great in that movie. Now listen, the, the, the SAG Awards are not necessarily an absolute forecast of what's going to happen in the Oscars, but it certainly doesn't hurt his chances. Again, when you go down that list of the best actor nominees this year, that is a stack list. And I honestly think it's a pick them. Any one of them can win, but winning the SAG certainly doesn't hurt his chances. And I think he could be in the running here. And something to keep in mind too, y'all is SAG awards are voted only on by actors in the union. Whereas the Academy is made up with a hodgepodge of different people in the industry too. The actors in the Academy Put together the nomination yeah. list, but then it's open to everybody to vote on it in the academy. So we'll see. And how that he's plays in out. like every scene in that film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's clearly the guy that carries it. And no you know what really helped his performance though was the incredible work of our own Aaron Cummings, lifting him up, elevating true. his performance. Aaron Cummings giving him the motivation he needed to sail into yeah. the acting uh, category. Awards. All right, what's next? Uh, JSW11984 just found out that the Ukrainian president was also the Ukrainian voice actor for Paddington. No, is that that is true? And he also played a comedian who became became president president. of the country. I knew that. I didn't know about the Paddington. Yeah, he he was the voice of Paddington. So his voice in Paddington too, when he says, "If you are kind and polite, the world will be right." That's what he should be saying to the world right now. I I hope he does. Look, man, his speech he gave today was amazing. Mm -hmm. All right. What's next? Jackmaster Norin, one of two. Hi, John and crew. I've been doing some thinking about how Shuri can become the next Black Panther. Uh, You're you're already off on the bad start, Jackmaster. (laughs) During the ceremony to crown the next leader, they ask if anyone of royal blood wants to challenge, right? Well, if nobody steps up to oppose Shuri, she can become the ruler and the next Black Panther. And that says two of three. Is there a follow-up? I don't see one. Not seeing it, so. Okay. Um... She, yeah, that's pretty anticlimactic. It's extremely anticlimactic, and it completely contradicts what we know about a number of the other characters. And think, look, I am not telling you that Shuri is not going to be the next Black Panther. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I don't know what they're going to do in this movie. But, um, yeah, the moment it goes to that thing, Mbaku is the guy who should be the next Black Panther. He has been a leader his entire life. He is a warrior. He has fought side by side with T'Challa. He saved T'Challa's life despite the fact that they were rivals for the throne of Wakanda. And in a straight up fair fight, he came that close to beating T'Challa. He has the loyalty of his people there. And, and, and sure, here's the thing. She is the smartest person in the MCU. But she was not the one groomed from birth by her father to be a leader of the people. She has been covered away in her lab. That's what she's do. That's what she does. There is no way she should be the next Black Panther. Like, um, not a Koye. Uh, why am I forgetting the name of uh, of his wife or the one that he uh, that becomes his betrothed? Um, oh, 
Oh, Lupita's uh, character? No, Nokia. Nokia. Nokia, okay. yeah. Like, Nokia, she is one of the leaders of her tribe. She is a warrior. She is a leader. She would have a claim to the throne as well. So I just think there are several better options. And if they just said, especially when you understand that M'Baku, while him and T'Challa became good friends, his basic idea of M'Baku's little sister is not very high. Mm -hmm. And the idea of her becoming the monarch of Wakanda would disgust him. So, I, 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 again, they might do it that way. I just think it makes no sense. Although I, I do like stories like The Godfather, somebody that shouldn't be the Don, the, the goody shoe, two shoes of the bunch, the war hero, Michael Corleone, finds himself situationally where he has to step up. Yeah. and fill the shoes and i could see going that way with it would be interesting to see from a storytelling but standpoint, michael was at least a war hero yeah he was a right? war hero so he but he could have that nerve of steel and all but that you saw stuff. shuri fight in uh in infinity war and endgame i mean mm -hmm. she was no slouch uh wasn't she she, she stood still and did this and still got her ass kicked well but she did stand up yeah she, i'm not you know. saying she's not brave i'm not saying she doesn't have great character Listen, I said coming out of Black Panther that M'Baku and Shuri were actually two of my favorite characters in the MCU now. But if you teleport yourself into that world that they created, sure, it makes no sense to me that she would become the next Black Panther. No, I agree, and it probably doesn't wouldn't make sense to her either. But yeah. just depending on the machinations of what they do with the story, I could see spending her time as an interim Black Panther. I could also see this. When we meet T'Challa, he is Black Panther, but he's not king of Wakanda yet. So I could see, even though I think M'Baku would be against it, what I could see is a situation where they divvy up the position again, where she becomes the ruler by by bloodline, and uh, Nakia or M'Baku or even Okoye becomes Black Panther. So, I mean, even though I think that's a little bit of a stretch, I could find that, that one far more believable. It's just that there's nothing in, this, in these movies that show that Shuri can even fight. So making her Black Panther seems to not make a lot of sense to me. But she's more Q than she is Bond. You know what yeah, I mean? Yes, that's she's a good Q. way to put it. She's yep. not Bond. Yep. So I don't know. But we'll see what they have in mind. All right, what's next? Timothy Garrett Fulham. If the Batman proves to be successful critically, do you think Matt Reeves could earn the status of being a director with a massive following similar to Chris Nolan or Tarantino? Hey, listen, look, you could say that about any movie coming out. If this movie coming out is explosively popular, could they be the next Nolan Tarantino? The answer is yes, because the answer would be yes for any director of any of the movies coming out. Now, the one other thing that Matt Reese is going for him is that he's a couple of other really good films in his belt, none of which have been successful on the level of like some of Tarantino's or Nolan's, but yeah, he could as much as anybody. You know what, though? I think he needs, he doesn't have, he's worked, he made a remake I mean, Cloverfield was original, mm -hmm. but then he did a remake of Let the Right One In. Then he did two Planet of the Apes movies. Now he's working in The Batman. What he does, what he needs is what Nolan and Tarantino do, is write something original. Right, but... He needs his inception but or he Nolan needs his... Nolan became Nolan with his Batman films. The Batman films is what made Nolan Nolan. Peter became um, who he is as a result of Lord of the Rings. I mean, that's based on other material, but nobody knew who he was really until they did Lord of the Rings. So, I mean, that could happen with him. It, yeah, it could, but I still think he needs to write some real original, whether it's... That would help. Whether, yeah, it's, I think that's what he needs to do. Yeah.
That would help a lot. But right, I mean, obviously, next? he's a very gifted filmmaker. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? Tim Plate, did you guys see that? Uh, did you see the game between the uh, Toronto Blue Jays and the Detroit Tigers this weekend? 10 7. <laughs> Wait, that was hockey? Yeah, that's Holy crap. Yeah, that, that doesn't happen very often. That is a very unusual kind of score. I mean, that's that's more like a football score than anything else. So it's great to see. I love seeing the offense open more up. All right, what's next? Al Renshaw, excited for my four viewings of the Batman this week. Listen, Al, I think a lot of people, like I only have my tickets for two. I got to fix that. I got to get more of my tickets. But I think you are not alone. I think a lot of people are bunkering down for a good weekend of Batman. All right, what's next? Kevin Gow, should have dropped the trailer tomorrow before Batman. The Harry Potter one, I'm assuming. Um, You know what? I, I don't know because... Tomorrow, with eighty to 100,000 people going to see that movie tomorrow, you give your trailer dropping no room to have the spotlight. Because mm -hmm. tomorrow, it's all going to be about Batman. Today, the day before, we can put some of the focus and attention on this Dumbledore trailer. And it was great. And I think it's going to get a lot more. So it is connected to when the Batman's coming out, but... Here's the thing. If they dropped that trailer right before the Batman, it would have become a footnote. And tomorrow it will be a footnote, but today it's a headline. So, yeah, but we'll see. All right, what's next? Robbie Hassel. No question, just really enjoy the new format with all of you. Oh, uh, thank you so much for that, Robbie. I always appreciate it when somebody wants to write and say something encouraging like that. Thanks, dude. All right, what's next? John Redcorn. Is it me, or is there not a lot of hype for Morbius or Fantastic Beasts from fans or casuals? I don't know. I'm looking forward to both, though. No, I, I think John Redcorn is completely right. And I I get it. We were coming off the wash of of Spider-Man No Way Home and all the the after the the post-effect rumbles of that and everybody's in that. Now everybody's looking forward to Batman. That's sucking up a lot of the enthusiasm that's out there. Listen, Morbius is not gonna have a hundred million dollar opening weekend. If it's lucky, it'll have an uncharted kind of opening weekend of 50, if that. Morbius is going to find its win in word of mouth and legs. It's not going to be opening weekend because you're right. It's, it's not getting like that. Do you, but also it's a, unlike Spider-Man and Batman, this is a completely unknown character to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Like most of the average film going on has never heard of Morbius. Yeah. So it's a different kind of thing. So agreed. We'll see. All right. What's next? Harry, uh, Katsuris. Sorry if I said your name wrong. Can't wait to watch the advanced screening tomorrow at IMAX in Melbourne, Australia. Nice. On the largest screen on planet Earth. Let's go. I mean, hey, I'm a little bummed. I'm not getting to see the screening tomorrow in a Dolby Atmos theater. But the next best thing is IMAX. And this is a big IMAX thing going on. So, Harry, while you're over there in Australia watching, we'll be over here watching. And, uh... Let's hope we all love it as much as we think we will. All right, what's next? Chris Warden. Also, I hope you. Uh, also, I hope you a great weekend celebrating this B Day milestone. And thanks for all these years of great content. Keep it up, my friend. Oh, uh, thank you so much, Chris. You know, I, I. Oh, one of the coolest things when I hear from people who are like, I've been watching you for five years. People watching a particular YouTube channel for more than a little bit. Is, is a special thing. And I, I do not take that for granted that people write me and say, man, I've been watching you since this video eight years ago, or I've been watching you since this video 12 years ago. It's amazing that we're still here and we're still all doing it together. We're still a big community and I love that. So thanks for sharing that, man. I appreciate that. All right, what's next? Crashing Coyote, one of four. John, I like how you change opinion based on new info. So let me inform you. Elden Ring isn't buggy at all for next-gen consoles. On Metacritic, it's 98% with 50 reviews. But Elden Ring is made for the new consoles and ported to PC. Ports suck. 
Batman Arkham games are praised today, but on PC, it's unplayable. By the way, if your PC hardware is from 2017, trying to run a game made to 2022 hardware, you're going to have bugs. Water equals wet. On my PS5, Elden Ring has been flawless. Best game experience in years. I'm 35 hours in with no bugs, and it's a masterpiece. P.S. Despite PC bugs, Steam has 7,600, uh, 765,000 current players, which is massive. Okay, so where Crashing Coyote is coming from is that somebody asked me about if I'm going to play Elden Ring. I said, you know, it's funny. I asked my buddy about it, and I said I was thinking about getting it because I do have a PS5, thanks to this buddy. And they said, you know, you might want to hold off on that. I'm hearing it's it's very buggy. It's all that kind of stuff and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know, but hey, Crashing, thank you for giving me your insight on it. I'll probably have to give it a shot here. First, I got to get through uh, Spider-Man and Miles Morales. I got to get through those ones first because I still yes. have it. But then I'll probably give Elden Ring a shot if I hear from more people about it. So thanks for sharing your thoughts on that, man, and giving me a little bit of education on that. All right, what's next? So, Sean, happy birthday, John. The 1980s were 40 years ago. Ugh. People born after 9-11 will be able to drink after this year. <sighs> wow. I still remember. I was in an airport. When 9-11 happened, I was actually, as people still send me screenshots, because every year ABC plays this special that they did back then. And I'm in it because I was in an airport and they showed the shot of me, like looking stunned at the TV screen. So it was obviously my flight got canceled that day. But Were you in Toronto? Were you in? No, I was in Saskatoon flying, getting ready to fly to Toronto. Oh, wow. Uh, for a family funeral, actually. And obviously I wasn't able to go. But, I mean, yeah, it's just people born at that time are more than able to drink now. I mean, that is kind of crazy. All right, what's next? Chris Hunt. Well, I enjoyed Lincoln. Do you think we could see Daniel Day-Lewis return for a vampire hunting sequel? <laughs> I thought it was BS. They just left all that out. I mean, how historically inaccurate? Why didn't they cover his vampire hunting? By the way. Oh, we do have that movie. There's not a lot of movies that I had more pure excitement and just I had a pure silly interest in than Abraham Lincoln Vampires Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> or was it Vampire Slayer? I can't remember. Vampire Hunter. Vampire Hunter. That movie could have been such goofy fun. It's a really bad movie. Yeah. It's yeah. really bad. It's not good. Unfortunately. But I do want to see Daniel Day-Lewis make a return. All right, what's next? Uh, Elizabeth Hirado. So happy for Coda winning Best Ensemble at SAG. Hey, Me listen. I, I Again, I thought for sure there were a couple of other movies that would have. But listen, if you're going to talk about terms of deserving every ounce of glory it's getting, that's one of them. All right, what's next? Uh, Stubble McShave. John and Company, I rewatched Henry V this weekend. Nice. The St. Crispin speech, it seems extra relevant these days. I mean, that's one of the cool things when you go back to some of these older movies and like something happens or a speech is given, you think, did they have a crystal ball and look into the future? Because a lot of times... I'll come across these movies and they'll say, uh, have speeches or things happen that feel like they were made for today's audience. Yeah, and it's still one of my favorite Shakespeare movies. I mean, we few, yep. we happy few, we band of brothers. That's so good. Such a good one. All right, thanks for sharing that, Stubble. All right, what's next? Chance, who sends in a $200 super chat without anything to say, just supporting us. Wow. That's so nice. Thank you, Ch I mean, it's always amazing when somebody wants to send in a super chat just to be supportive, don't even ask a question. That's that's pretty generous, Chance. Seriously, dude, thank you from all of us. And on behalf of everybody in the fan community here who watches the show, thank you for supporting our show and making very it nice. possible like that. Very cool of you, Chance. Thank you so much, man. All right, Plus, the name Chance is cool. Yeah. It's a very cool name. Is is he a rapper? 
I don't know. Could this could this be? It's the chance. The chance. But I just want to point out that Richard Chance is the name of William Peterson's character in To Live and Die in L.A. Just saying. oh, I totally yes, it is. Yeah, As a matter chance, of fact, come on. All right, what's next? Thanos. I guess the line "the war with Muggles is about to begin" was why it was delayed. Very <laughs> bad timing. As a big Potter fan, I don't care for this movie to be honest. Um. Okay. Listen, that's fine, but. If you're going to watch it, and you don't have to watch it, but if you're going to watch it, leave that leave that baggage at the door. Do not go into this movie with I'm going in there because uh, listen, you may it's ridiculous, but a lot of people do that. They go, well, I'm, I'm just going to find out how bad this thing is. Just go in with an open mind. And you know what? It might end up being terrible. I personally think it looks pretty good, so we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, what if you dig it? Yeah. I mean, Could some of my favorite experiences are going in for movies that I thought for sure were going to be bad and came out with a big smile on my face. Those are some of my favorite movie going experiences. It's like kissing girls in college. You wonder, should I do this? And it turns out to be quite wonderful. You never kissed a girl in college. Let's be honest. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> I take that back. All right. What's next? V, sending in a $27 super chat. Thank, Thank you, you so v. much. Hi to all. Got Batman tickets for uh, the uh, 1201 Dolby Cinema, Leicester Square, London. Got a gift card, but to purchase did not go through with the nice seats going. Le Leicester Square, is that at the Odeon? Oh. The Odeon? There might I'm be. Luckily, the seat I wanted came available again. Use debit card. Nice. That's, well done. That, listen, first of all, whenever there's a big movie coming out that you know you and a lot of other people are excited about, it's, number one, exciting. When you log in, it's like, yes, there are still tickets available. Only better is when you get in there and number one, seat tickets are still available, but number two, there are still some goods that you got in soon enough to get good seats. Yes. And when you can, and for me personally, not including the AMC Dolby, but my favorite seats in a movie theater, particularly in AMC theaters, are the seats that are front row of the second section that are right in front of the wheelchair. It's like, because they have the bars. Mm -hmm. So you can literally put your feet up because usually nobody's sitting in front of you. There's no, like they're designated for people in wheelchairs. Thankfully they have those sp spaces saved for them, but nine times out of 10, there's nobody there. So I get to be at that bar seat. It's a good enough distance away from the screen film, get to put my feet up, relax, enjoy. But there's a great, great joy that comes from getting the seats you want. What about mm -hmm. you, Rob? Oh, dude. I mean, we just had a, a viewer talking about Leicester square. I went and saw skyfall because it opened two weeks before in the UK in Leicester Square at the Odeon Theater. And I had to wait our time at 4 o'clock. That's when their tickets went on sale at 12.01 p.m. English time. Right. And I'm on there, and I'm on there, and I'm, I I get on, and I'd seen like half the theater was sold out. But for whatever reason, these just choice seats were right there. Ooh. And I'm in America. I'm in Los Angeles. And this is in the UK. I was like, boom. I think I got six tickets. <laughs> And I felt, John, I felt on the top of the world. When you get those seats, those seats that you really want and they're there, like, God bless the Cinerama Dome. It's no longer here. It's going to come back, mm -hmm. I hope. Mm -hmm. When I could get in row M, anytime, my favorite seats, it was like a great day, John. I felt I accomplished something. I was on top of the world. It's a great day in the core. All right, what's next? Zashan, bats reviews are like the video game Elden Rings. So the late embargo paid off. Praise right before release that is building massive hype. And here, again, let me point out, it's not a late embargo. Late embargo is 24 hours before the movie right. opens. That's a late embargo. Having a embargo about five days before the movie comes out, that's not terribly unusual. It's not the norm. 
but it's not terribly unusual. But Zashan, you completely identified it. This was all by design. The review embargo today, big wave of momentum. Tomorrow, 100,000 fans see it. More big momentum, all crashing into the opening, the official opening weekend. This was brilliantly played by the Warner yes, Brothers marketing was. team. This has been beautifully orchestrated by them. And seriously, kudos to the Warner Brothers marketing team for the way they pulled this And off. I love the fact that the studio is saying, we've got the shit right now. And you guys are going to love it. You know, they're not shying away from it. They're going, oh, they're putting their chips in poker terms all in here, dude. I like a good poker analogy. And you're right. They are going all in on this. All right. What's next? Jackmaster Norad. I've got the Batman tickets for Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Yes. Yes. I mean, seriously, guys, I know we're talking about it all the time. You have no idea how excited I am. I literally woke up this morning, rolled over to my beautiful wife, looked her in the eyes and said, happy Batman Eve, baby. And she didn't say you need to brush your teeth because it's morning. No, she said something along the lines of I married a nerd. But besides oh, that, I honestly said to my wife as she woke up and opened her eyes and said, happy Batman Eve, baby. I mean, that's I am very excited. And it like, is. I mean, come on. You know what's great? Feeling the excitement of the community. Yes. Mm -hmm. Even the naysayers are coming on board. Even the people that are like, no, you know, it's, it's not going to be the Snyderverse. Yes. They're coming around, John. She mentioned you said that on our ride back here. Oh, did, did she and she said something in terms of like, um, how much does it cost for a divorce? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, 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 listen, if you go into okay. Anne's search history, I'm sure <laughs> divorce lawyer rates is probably in the eight of the top 10 things wow. every day. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm punching out of my weight class here. I'm punching out of my weight class. All right, what's next? Ahmed, will Morbius be part of the MCU? Dude, that, right now, that is the $100 million question. Um, my guess, look, in the way they're creating all these multiple versions of realities and blah, 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 I, this is what I'm going to say. I do not believe he's going to be a part of the proper MCU. Will he be part of the semi-attached in the peripheral of the MCU universes? Yes. But will he be in the proper MCU? I don't think so, Rob. I, You know... At this point, dude, you could show up as the, one of the Illuminati and I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, the, 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 this is so, it's all so crazy. But, I mean, he is somehow, that universe, somehow the Venom universe is connected. So we actually don't know how Morbius fits into the Sony-verse yet. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we know he mentions Venom. Let alone so, the MCU. Yeah, so we know that the Venom-verse somehow is connected because... Morbius, no. Michael Morbius knows who Venom is. But what, what does do that think, mean, Chris? If you right now, if you put your money, do you think we're going to see Morbius in the MCU proper? At some point, I think we will. Really? I do. I think they'll all come together at some point. I mean, Disney's going to own everything in a couple years anyway, so why not? <laughs> so why not? Only because right. of Blade. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, the, that's that's, that's the thing, the right? Only yeah. MCU connection that I would like like to see. Not saying it's going to happen, but if the Sonyverse thing is going to happen for sure. All right. What's next? Assistant Professor X sending in a $20 <laughs> super chat. Thank you, Assistant Professor X. Happy birthday weekend, John. Hope you had a blast. For your gift, I hope to soon share the inside tale of how Peyton Reed inadvertently started the entire MCU. Plus the final deciding factor that led to RDJ becoming Iron Man. Well, I, 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 mean, I mean, we've heard stories. They've done some documentary feature on that, but like whatever was the last, I mean, to quote Hamilton, to be in the room where it happened. In the room where it happened. I would have loved to have been in that room. Flying the wall when the decision was made. Okay, fine. 
Favreau, you can have Robert Downey Jr. Don't let him screw this up for us. Like, I, I would have loved to have been in that room because that's a great story. Uh, and by the way, that's a great Or when user. Downey Jr. got the call. Or when Robert Downey Jr. got the call. You're in, buddy. Because he probably thought he was done. As far as his higher profile career goes, he was, start, he was putting together some other smaller films. Mm -hmm. But... Like this was the thing that kind of made us crazy. He got the thing. He got an Academy Award nomination for Chaplin, but no one will think about that. He got the role that everybody will forever identify him with. By the way, you know Sally Kellerman passed away. Uh, we talked about her hot yeah. lip Luhan. I'd forgotten Robert Downey Jr. was in Back to School. I totally didn't realize that. I, I forgot that too. I, I mean, he's in Tough Turf with James well, Spader. Yes, with James Spader. And I think Back to School is '86. The next year, I forgot. Not that this. Uh, since you brought, I don't even know what how this is relevant at all to what we're talking about. <laughs> but it was just something that uh, I thought was interesting. Robert Downey Jr. is in Back to School. I'd forgotten that. Well, thank you, Rob. All right. Thank Along you. Along with Terry Farrell from Deep Space Nine. What's next? Uh, seconds from disaster. Sending in one of three, but the other two aren't in here. Uh, bought three tickets for me and two friends for Batman at IMAX this Thursday. I'm so happy. This is a self-contained story and not a DCEU movie. I think DC. Uh, it looks like maybe Sorry. Super Chats got turned off yeah. before we can get the next year. So let's let's talk about what Seconds from Disaster was getting. I mean, uh, first of all, I love that this movie isn't part of the DCU. Not because I don't like the DCU. I agree with you 100%. I just, I love, and I want Marvel to start taking some notes here. Not everything has to be a part of your shared cinematic universe. And I remember when Joker got announced, I was so in love with the idea that they were actually going to make a true standalone story. Remember those? No. Remember great standalone stories? And I love that. And everybody's like, well, it's, it's not going to be any good. You can't have a Joker movie without Batman. Guess what? Yes, you can. It won Academy Awards. It was nominated for Best Picture. It made over a billion dollars. You damn well effing can. And then when they said they were going to do this Batman movie as a pure standalone, I love the idea. Love it. Not everything has to be shared cinematic universe. So I am very, very happy. Seconds from Disaster. I agree with you 100%. I'm very happy they're doing this as a standalone thing. It just gives you more flexibility and more creative freedom to tell a story you want to tell that may not fit into what's going on in the rest of an extended cinematic universe. I, I agree. I mean, the Nolan movies are their own thing. Yes. So it's great to see that happen again. All right. What's next? The Batman sent in a $100 super chat. Well, Bruce Wayne better be able to afford this. Yeah. Oh, no. Seriously, thank you, the Batman, very much for supporting us on that level. What does the Batman have to say? At long last, my time has come and the critics <laughs> love me. Just wait till the fans experience my vengeance. Seriously. He brings up. Okay. First of all, again, again, dude, thank you so much for supporting our channel on that level, man. But honestly. It's been a beat since we had a Batman movie come out. Because I, I can't remember when The Dark Knight Rises came out. I can't remember how long ago that was. It's got was to be it over 10 2012? years. 2012? Is it so, 10 years so ago? on 10 years ago. It's been a beat since we had a Batman film come out. I mean, I, I like Batman versus Superman. I like Justice League. But it's been a while since we had a Batman movie come out where the critics got together and said, this movie is great. It's been a while. It's nice to see it. And I'm hoping... That with not just the critical, but hopefully also financial success that the Joker had, that Batman had, that not only will DC continue to every once in a while put out great standalone movies, but I'm hoping at some point Marvel, uh, that Kevin Feige, you know what, let's experiment with one. Let's, let's do a Marvel character movie that is not a part of the MCU. And let's see how that goes. Let's tell a different kind of story 
And see, let me ask you guys this. If Kevin Feige did wake up tomorrow and think to himself, I can do this kind of a movie, what character do you think he does it about? I mean, probably not Wolverine because we've already had Logan. But what character do you think Kevin Feige could take and make a standalone outside of the MCU kind of movie? What do you think? That's a really good question. Do, 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 do. Nova. I, Nova wouldn't be a bad one. You could go because that takes know. you extra world. I and mean, we were getting a Nova in the MCU, but yeah, yeah that's one they could do. I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if he could now. I think he's gone too far down the tracks. Exactly. You think so? You, you know, think because, no going because back? any movie he's going to make, I'm like, I would love to know what the version of this character in the MCU would do. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I That's a good question, John. But I'm know. getting some great suggestions in the live chat. I'm getting Daredevil. Punisher. Yeah, but Punisher. I'm, I'm seeing a number of people saying Gambit. I like that idea. You could do that. Gambit's one you could do. Some people are saying Doctor Doom. Ooh, you could do a really cool thing with Marrow. With who? Marrow from the X-Men. Oh, I th that's not who I thought you said. Okay, yes. Like one, just because you could make that really grisly. Yes. I'm like, you know. Yeah. We're, we're, but would that be fun? Everything. It could be. It could be very it fun. It could be fun. I don't know. We'll see. Cooking anyway. fools with bones that shoot out of your body. I but then it would just remind me that I want an X Men movie in the MCU. Oh, I assume this would come after an X Men movie it's coming, because though. they're coming. Apparently. It's coming. It is coming. It's coming. Anyway, guys, sooner than we think. There are a couple more people. Uh, Dominic Everest sent in a super chat badge to be supportive. Uh, Israel Hermosilio sent in a super chat badge to be supportive. Thank you so much, guys. And guys, that'll do it for this Batman Eve edition of the John Campia Show. The next time we go live will be the day we are going to see Batman. That'll be tomorrow. Make sure you guys come back and join us for that. Don't forget, we've got a mailbag episode coming up a little bit later this afternoon. Keep your guys' eyes open for that. So thank you, everybody, for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in the live Super Chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campy Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. So guys, that'll do it for us for today. Going around the table here, want to thank Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, Chris Carr, Ray Aura, and of course again, guys, you. That'll do it for us. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.